Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey everybody, tonight we're debating biblical slavery and we are starting right now with our Christian team in their 12-minute opening statement. Praise and Jill, the floor is all yours. So, biblical slavery. So, to preempt equivocation and or the very likelihood of us talking past each other with our interlocutors, our opponents must provide a clear case for involuntary servitude or subjugation. Anything less than this does not meet the requirements for biblical slavery. So here's a quick overview of the biblical socioeconomic system. One, is Israelites and non-Israelites were under one law, Numbers 15, 15 through 30. So it's impossible to convict Israel of mistreating non-Israelites, especially when God commanded Israel to love to love and not oppress aliens, Exodus 22, 21, 23, 9, Deuteronomy 24, 14, Leviticus 19, 34. So the biblical socioeconomic system was in instituted to prevent poverty of both Israelites and non-Israelites by providing debt relief, Deuteronomy 24, 14, Leviticus 25, 35. If chattel slavery was such a thing, there would have been owners, Baals, not masters, adons, because chattel, livestock, for example, would have been returned back to their owner, Exodus 21, 39, and 34, while escaped aveds were not to be returned back to their masters as Deuteronomy 25 stipulate, 2515 stipulates. The Israelites and the surrounding nations were involved in a suzerain vassal treaty throughout the region, which makes it impossible for there to be chattel POWs. Both had contractual agreements to do specific jobs like military support and tribute. Example, Joshua 9, 3 through 27, 16, 10, 17, 3, Judges 128, and 30 through 35. For, for instance, God punished the Hebrew nation for their breach of the Susan Dree Treaty, 2 Samuel 21, 1. And the king of Israel required to compensate the Gibeonites for their loss, 2 Samuel 21, 2 through 9. This demonstrates that the Hebrew Susan Dree Treaty placed a higher order of obligation on the Susan tree, in this case Israel, then it did the vassal, in this case the Gibeonites, a situation unique in the A&E. So now we're going to go to, let me get this. Um, so now 
the laws of the Hammurabi and the Covenant Code reflect the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So ancient Near East scholars Driver and Miles explain because none of the statutes in the law collections were ever cited in legal texts, whether in private legal agreements or in documents that stem from court documents, they never were intended to be external, but internal. Hence why the Pentateuch and Hammurabi are not royal edicts, but rather they are akin to English case law, which presents a rule whose spirit is to be followed, not its letter. And this is pages 10 through 18, Laws of the Hammurabi at the Confluence of Royal and Scribal Traditions, Pamela Barmash. So ancient Near East scholars, Botero, McKinley, Watson, Carmichael, Hillers, Malul, and many other scholars see the Covenant Code as mere scribal exercises for academic purposes, which are prescription in the sense of science, medicine, or divination, and are not legislative. This is from the scientific treaties. This is because the statutes were articulated in casuistic form as detailed cases expressed in conditional sentences containing a protest starting with if and an apodosis. Consequently, there's no way the supposed 613 laws of the Pentateuch can be pinned on God because only the Decalogue was apodidic, prescriptive. The reason why the Pentateuch and other uh, Mesopotamian texts are viewed descriptively rather than prescriptively is because these codes were not intended to be legalistic, but rather function as a covenant relationship with the tribe's deity and his people. For example, would anyone say to love God with all your heart is to be considered legislative? Such, such in insinuation is absurd. And John Oswald, we got, so this is quoted by several scholars. I'm just going through Michael Gregarin, uh, J.D. Berry, Bellingham. All, I mean, there's just so many of them out there that uh, subscribe to that. And they publish works on that. So busting misconceptions about the biblical slavery, contrary to what atheists peddle about the Ten Commandments not prohibiting slavery, the, the Ten Commandments do outrightly outlaw slavery. The Ten Commandments, which is thou shalt not covet is very specific because it particularly prohibits coveting any chattel. The Hebrew word for covet, kamad, is used in regards to humans and other physical con uh, objects. Deuteronomy 7.25, Proverbs 6.25. The word forever used in Leviticus 25.46 is misapplied because it is used anachronistically by those who proclaim biblical slavery. This word forever, onlam, means by mainstream scholars, A&E scholars, means to be jubilee or until the master's death. Moreover, how can Leviticus 25, 44 through 46 be equated with slavery anyway? Because the Lord himself is called Akhuzah, property inherited in Ezekiel 44, 28. So Exodus 21, 21, 20 through 21 does not mean you can beat your slave or in a vet to an inch of their life because restrictions of physical abuse are provided in the following passages, verses 26 through 27. In fact, Exodus 21, 20 through 27 are chiastic in structure and casuistic in nature, meaning they come as a group of repeated themes. The theme of this chapter is the death penalty first, then if not the death penalty, then Lex Kellyon as follows. So literally, if an abed is murdered unjustly, then the death penalty, and if they stay alive, then they are freed from their contractual obligation. And with that, I yield to my brother, Jill. Thank you, brother. Praise. Thank you, James, for having me on. And um, shalom to everyone in the chat. And uh, thank you, Service and Dr. Josh, for accepting the challenge. And it will be a challenge.
to prove involuntary servitude being forced on another. And uh, just as my partner said, uh, but let me be more succinct and more clear. You, your task tonight is not to just find the word slavery in the Bible and say that's the end to be all for the debate. Your challenge, because according to the Jewish Encyclopedia, uh, an article on slaves and slavery, the Hebrew term eved did refer to slaves as we understand a slave or the definition thereof as we understand it today. But eved has a much wider meaning than the English term slave. And in many circumstances, it's more accurately translated into the English as servant or hired worker. So your challenge tonight, sir, is Dr. Josh, uh, atheist in the chat, is to prove from the context provided surrounding the use of the word. Words are not univocal, they're equivocal. They take on the meaning of the context in which the word is used. That's a second grade lesson. I'm not trying to insult anyone, but that is a second grade lesson. There are actually assignments that are given to grade school um, students where they make up a word and stick it in a paragraph. And you have to define the word based on the context surrounding that word. Okay, so you need to prove involuntary servitude, not just suggest it is the case. Uh, doulos was the word that referred to slaves. Um, and it's also referred to slaves in the New Testament. Um, but it's, it's used more in a general sense as well. It's more specific, but uh, it, it also has a broader, wider meaning. Uh, the word slave today is taboo, so we no longer use it to describe someone who owes a debt, took out a loan from Citibank, and now is forced to pay it back. You would have been called an avet in the Old Testament because you owed money, and you were um, basically, that was a lowly position to be in. Okay, that's why the scriptures writes to the Hebrews and says you are to be the head and not the tail. You are to be the one who was lending and not the one who was borrowing. Okay, so the, um, the Bible does talk about forms of servitude, okay? No one is denying that. Um, forms of servitude were, which is what's customary in the ancient times before the welfare state, that is the way you paid back a debt. That is the way you paid for everything, you worked. It's a lot better than the welfare state that we have now where you don't work. Um, so that was what was condoned or allowed or accepted in the Torah. There is not one passage of scripture that you could show us other than in the case of war, other than in cases where we would confine someone today if they raped someone or uh, a war combatant, an um, enemy combatant, we would call them. Other than in those cases, you will never find the Torah condoning someone being confined and forced into servitude against their will. The Hebrew servant maintained kinship rights, Exodus 21, uh, Leviticus 25. Um, 
They had marriage rights, Exodus 21. Uh, the Hebrew Eved or the Hebrew servant had personal legal rights relating to physical protection. Um, they, they also, uh, this, would re, this would also be for the foreign servants of any kind as well. Uh, they had freedom of movement and access to liberty, according to Le Leviticus 25. Uh, the Hebrews would be punished if they were caught abusing a slave. And uh, they would even have to let the slave go free if they harm the slave, okay, according to Exodus 21 or um, uh, Exodus 21, verse 26, I believe. Uh, the Hebrew servant, which was a voluntary position, a hired worker, it was illegal to force them to work on the Sabbath. And if that hired worker left, you were not to return him to another or to person who he take, who has taken refuge from. If he was to take refuge from or among the Israelites, um, you were not supposed to return that person to his master simply because it was assumed, I guess, that he was leaving for good for a good reason. Uh, or if you were to slander a hired worker, that was also a violation of Torah. You couldn't even slander an event. It was common in the Torah or in the ancient Near East among the Israelites for a person to voluntarily sell themselves into servitude for a fixed period of time, either to pay off debts or to simply survive, to get food, to get shelter. It was seen as a, a way to survive and 30 seconds, take care of your family. Um, so that is my challenge. My challenge is to demonstrate involuntary servitude other than in the cases in which we today will involuntarily serve you, all right? We call it incarceration, and I yield. You got it. Thanks so much. That was the opening from our theist or Christian guests, and also we are going to kick it over to hear the opening statement from Suris and Dr. Josh, and want to give a huge thank you to our guests for being patient and also being willing to jump in last minute as both Dr. Josh and Suris were willing to. We appreciate both of them doing that today, and so we are thrilled to have you guys, all of you, and also, folks, they're all linked in the description in case you want to hear more. With that, the floor is all yours, Dr. Josh and Suris. I'll go ahead and take first crack at this. So when Praise was bringing out his uh, his position, it was made clear that I needed to make a clear case for involuntary servitude slash subjugation. Then when Jill brings the case in and says what is needed from us, the goalpost moves from clear case for involuntary servitude to subjugation to a clear case of something that we would do today for slavery, of something that we have done in the modern day, like specifically the example given was modern day chattel slavery. 
those are two different things. You can have a clear case of involuntary servitude and subjugation and it not be perfectly one-to-one analogous to the types of involuntary servitude or subjugation that we have today. I do agree with the incarceration angle, though. Our 13th Amendment does make it very clear we can enslave people who are incarcerated. That's a problem. I agree with that, but that is not necessarily part of the conversation here. So let's talk about a couple of things here. First of all, I want to go ahead and bring up the fact that when you argue owners versus masters, as Praise did earlier in his presentation, we are basically arguing semantics. If you want to argue owners versus masters and stick strictly in that realm, then the conversation necessarily can't talk about the things those owners or masters could do. If you had an owner that gave more rights to a slave, but then you had a master that would strip more away from a servant, one of these people is more analogous to what we have as a slave in the modern day, but because of a definitional game, you get to hide behind that. Also, you don't need the letter of the law for slavery to be slavery. You need function. If something functionally was servitude that was involuntary, then that would be slavery. So Jill begins his argument by listing off various rights of slaves, as if merely having some rights makes one not a slave. There were rights given to slaves in the American South, although they were obviously few and far between, and definitely not enough to constitute them not being considered involuntarily in involuntary service. But I want to go ahead and point out that that doesn't necessarily matter. The argument, it needs to be perfectly analogous to how we interpret slavery today, is a red herring. By this, we could argue that nothing is the same as anything else because it's not perfectly analogous to what we are trying to compare it to. In Exodus 21, or 21, verse 20 through 21, if a man smites his servant or is made with a rod, and he continues for a day or two, he shall not be punished. If we're going to argue that this is all a matter of servitude, this is all a matter of working off debt, can the bank beat the crap out of me for one to two days, you know, so long as I don't die? Well, they were allowed to do that in biblical times. I would argue that that is definitely something that is involuntary, unless you have something that means that either Praise or Jill would like to be involuntarily beat, but I'm not going to kink shame anyone here. If you gave a slave a wife or children, you have the ability to keep the slave's wife and children. You can let the slave go free. This is from Exodus 21.4. If a master has given him a wife she ha- and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and the child shall still be in the master's custody, but the slave shall go out for himself. Now, you can make every single argument you want about in- I think it's not just me that can't hear Cirrus. Can anybody else hear Cirrus? No. Involuntary servitude about it. it must be so sorry to interrupt. Is it is it working now? Oh, there we go. Now you're back. I heard you for the last like four seconds, but otherwise I lost you for about five uh, seconds, maybe six. Okay. I just I just got the internet is unstable notification. Okay. So my point was about Exodus twenty one four. If the master gives a slave a wife, and they bear children, 
the master is suddenly able to keep the wife and children, even if the slave goes free. Now, I don't know if any of you have been in, in longstanding relationships with significant others, but if a double bind was presented to me where I had the choice to either be a slave, continue to serve, or lose my family, that abusive double bind would inherently be involuntary servitude in my mind reason being i don't consider ultimatums choices and that is an ultimatum an abusive one at that we also have an issue of cities having to basically give their people up for slaves if we have in deuteronomy 20 10 through 11 when thou comest nigh into a city and fight against it then proclaim peace unto it so basically you got to choose the terms of agreement you got to win it shall be if it makes thee an answer of peace and open until thee be, then it shall be that all people that are found therein shall be tributaries unto thee, and they shall serve thee. Now, if I get to take all these prisoners of war, and I get to be the one that dictates the terms of peace, how voluntary can it be for the other side at that point? I'm literally the one who got to write the contract for them, and they can't really do much about it because... They just got subjugated by my army. That's not voluntary. That would be servitude, and it would be very much involuntary. And involuntary servitude is slavery, even if it is not 100,000% analogous to the triangle slave trade that we had here in the last few hundred years. It's still slavery. It doesn't have to be perfectly analogous at that point. Leviticus 25.46 points out that ye shall take slaves as your inheritance, for your children after you, to inherit them for a possession. They shall be your bondmen forever. Your slaves are your property. Your children get to inherit those slaves after you die. They are your family's slaves. We can argue back and forth over whether or not this was forever. The fact of the matter is, you are still being inherited down to somebody. The sins, however just they may be that put you into this servitude are still being inherited by somebody else. You did not agree to that. You did not choose that. That is, again, another form of involuntary servitude. If a thief is caught and is too poor to make restitution, they get sold for their theft. That's Exodus 22, 2 through 3. If you sell your daughter, she shall not be freed after six years as the male Hebrew slaves get, because there is a distinction between Hebrew slaves and slaves that you take from the nations around you. And, oh, by the way, it should be noted from Leviticus 25, 44, that both thy bondmen, thy bondmaids, which thou shalt have, shall be of the heathen that are around you. The Hebrews within your nation get all the fun uh, six-year sentences. Of course, that's only if they're male. But if they're taken from the nations around you, well, they get to be with you for as long as you get to arbitrarily choose. Again, if you take slaves from the nations around you, it's because you won them in war. And at that point, you are writing the terms of their agreement. I think pretty much all of that constitutes various forms of involuntary servitude, definitely abuse on the case of these people. It does not have to be one-to-one perfectly analogous to the exact type of slavery that existed in the United States. I think that's a red herring, but I'll concede the rest of my time to Dr. Josh. Thank you, sirs. Um, so, you know, I, I am kind of coming at this right at the end, so I don't have anything necessarily prepared. 
I have to say that thus far, it does seem like we're casting a very wide net in this topic. I mean, I think the topic is even just called biblical slavery. Um, so where where we want to go, I think is, it's just a little broad. Um, so I guess what I'll do with just a minute or two is bring up a couple of points that I think are probably just salient. One is that this idea about um, the Israelites are supposed to show care for the foreigner and for the slave and for the orphan and for the widow. Uh, absolutely true. I mean, there's no question about that. Uh, the Hebrew Bible, I mean, is, is full of that. And you can see it in Exodus, you can see it in Deuteronomy. Um, the thing is that we have to remember is that that's a very wide ancient Near Eastern trope. So, you know, anybody go pick up Martha Roth's book on uh, ancient Near Eastern law collections and read through the prologues and the epilogues, but particularly the prologues of, you know, each of these law collections, you know, Eshnuna, Hammurabi, or Namu, just read through and see what it is that the king uh, is doing, what it is that the ruler is supposed to be doing, and it's caring for the weak, it's ensuring justice in the land, it's caring for the orphan, it's caring for uh, those that are abused. It's the whole point, he's the good shepherd of his people. Um, so, you know, the fact that you see this in the in the Hebrew Bible is completely expected. Um, and certainly, I don't think anybody here, uh, pro or con slavery in the Hebrew Bible, would argue that there wasn't slavery in the ancient Near East. Um, so, you know, just, just very quickly, then, basically, there are two types of slavery in the Hebrew Bible. There's debt slavery and there's chattel slavery, right? And it's the same as what you see in the wider ancient Near East. Um, and sometimes in the biblical texts, uh, particularly in Deuteronomy and Leviticus 25, uh, the rules seem to be uh, much more humane for the Israelites. It's much more humane on a uh, on the understanding that God is going to supernaturally intervene for his people uh, to provide for them. So, for example, in Deuteronomy 15, where it talks about, um, you know, when you have a, a Hebrew debt slave and he's released after the sixth year in Exodus 21, they just go free, right, without payment. But in Deuteronomy 15, that's developed, and now they're to be set free and to be provided for liberally, right? They're to be given all kinds of provisions with the, with the idea that they're not going to fall back into poverty and debt slavery again. And the rationale behind that is not that there's some economic advantage to doing that, I mean, Jill pointed it out, right, that the whole point is that they're supposed to be the head and not the tail. Uh, and the way that that would come about is God says, I think, no less than seven times in the book of Deuteronomy, I will bless you, I will bless you, I will bless you. Um, and the same thing is picked up in Leviticus 25, where similar things are uh, seen. So, you know, watching an Israelite in Leviticus 25 fall into poverty in the different stages uh, the rationale there and not treating them as a, not treating Israel as a slave, but as a, um, you know, as a hired worker is that God is going to supernaturally intervene and take care of that. You see that all throughout Leviticus uh, 26 uh, and also Deuteronomy 28. So um, I don't know where specifically we want to go. I'm sure that will make itself clear, but I feel like so many things have been hit on that. I don't, I don't know what else to, uh, to address specifically. So I yield the rest of my time. 
You got it. We'll jump into the open discussion. And want to remind you folks, if you have not yet hit that subscribe button, hit that subscribe button right now and that bell notification so you don't miss this debate tomorrow night that I'm pointing to right now. Ken and Skylar Fiction are going to go toe-to-toe on what provides a better foundation for ethics, atheism, or theism. So that should be a juicy one, folks, and we hope to see you there live for that tomorrow night. With that As mentioned, folks, we'll jump into the open conversation. Thanks so much to our guests for being here. The floor is all yours, guys. So I just kind of want to get this started really quick. Uh, I want to pose this question to Sirs, but also Dr. Josh. Um, So my question is to either, do you, can you demonstrate that the Pentateuch or the majority of the Pentateuch was to be followed by the letter of the law rather than the spirits of the law? And the reason why I ask that is because if it's if you can't show it is by the letter of the law, then there's no way you can extrapolate these and and claim there's some type of prescribed slavery or um, any type of mandated slavery. So if you guys want to respond to that, that'd be great. So I, I'll, oh, you go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so there there are two different things here that I think we have to consider. Um, and this, this is something that I actually hear quite a bit. Uh, so we have to ask the question, are we talking about the narrative of the text or are we talking about the text itself? And what I mean by that is, um, you know, if you were to look at, uh, go through Exodus 19 and 20, for example, and read through what it is that uh, the text is, is saying, what the story is saying, uh, these are the laws from God given through Moses, right? Uh, and this is what I mean. This is what the Old Testament text is doing. It's what the narrative is doing. Uh, you cited people like Jean Botero, for example, and Botero's argument in writing *Reasoning in the Gods*. Uh, I don't. I don't know that. Well, I think you want to be careful how you use it, uh, because if you're going to make the argument like every Assyriologist would, and I suspect every Hebrew Bible scholar worth his salt uh, would say that these are not law codes, right? I mean, nobody's thought that for uh, decades at least. Um, you know, a code is something that is uh, meant to, to prescribe, right? It's meant to legislate, and, and nobody would argue that it's doing that. Uh, now, the problem that I think we face is that if you look at the laws of Hammurabi, for example, it's very easy for you guys and for us to say, uh, oh, no, those aren't legislative because, look, we don't see, for example, cases. We have a couple, but there aren't a lot um, where, you know, like people are citing the laws of Hammurabi. Like nobody, no, the judges aren't going, you know, you know, uh, having somebody come for a case and going, well, hang on just a second. Let me see what I'm supposed to do here. And then turning to the stealing going, Okay, law 117 says I'm supposed to do this, so that's what we do, right? That's not what they are. They're royal propaganda. Um, So nobody has a problem saying that, you know, Christian, non-Christian alike. The problem is when you come to the biblical text, because I would say that, I mean, I I would argue that adamantly. I did in my book and uh, do it all the time, and these are not legislative. That's, That's not what they are. The problem is the narrative of the text is describing them as such, right? That's the whole point of them. They're from God through Moses. So yeah, I think you have to, and I'll shut up, but you know, you, you, I guess you got you, you to gotta answer the question, are we talking about the narrative of the, of the text? Or are we talking about 
you know, as this this seventh century document was written, uh, what what is it trying to do as a text? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I appreciate that explanation, Josh. But I guess I'm going to push back. And would you say to love the Lord with all your heart? Would you say that the narrative is that's prescriptive there? Like that doesn't make. Why would God force people to love Him? And I don't this see is, that okay. in the Bible narrative. I mean, hermeneutically, I don't see that. Yeah. So this is. Uh, I mean, people like you, you read like Weinfeld, for example, um, or go pick up. Um, Lundbaum, I think, is is who I looked at a little while back. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, if you've ever heard of the Esau Haddon Succession Treaty, uh, there was this idea a while back, and I think there's still some merit to it, but that the book of Deuteronomy, for example, the Stuzer and Vassal Treaty that you were referring to, is based on like Hittite law and Hittite treaties, right? Hittite treaties. Um, but then the Esau Haddon Succession Treaty was found, and we have lots of copies of it. My old advisor um, worked on it from Tel Tainot. And what we see in the Esau Haddon Succession Treaty is, you know, you have a, a new ruler that's coming, and this treaty goes out, and it's a, it's a suzerain vassal treaty saying, I, the Assyrian king, am making you swear an oath to love my son. And that's the word that's used, to love, and to love him with all your heart. And this is the language of the Esau Haddon Succession Treaty. Um, and it's legal language, right? I mean, this is this is what it is. Um, so the book of Deuteronomy was, I think, pretty effectively um, compared to it. And, you know, of course, it matches up in that 7th century time frame. But uh, so, yeah, I, I, I get from like a 21st century, the word love, ahav, in the Hebrew, that sounds kind of weird. But the, I mean, this is very much what you see in these suzerain vassal treaties. So it's it's not that it's I guess I want to say it's not that um again there's some code that legislates in that sense you know like a judge is going to say okay you didn't love the ruler right you didn't love Ashurbanipal and so therefore this is the no this this is a command by the by the ruler of Assyria this is what you will do and if you don't do it you've broken the treaty and the gods will bring all of these curses upon you just like you see in Deuteronomy 28 Right. I'll say something. Uh, okay, 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 Joe. Yeah, let me let me just give a little bit pushback on Soros's opening, um, and then you guys sure. can get back to that that debate. Um, I'm going to read from Webster's Revised Unabridged Dictionary uh, the definition of slave or slavery. The condition of a. So slave we're going to commit an etymological fallacy. Excellent. No, we're going to read a definition of what slave means to us okay. today, and what it meant to them. But they also, as I mentioned in my opening, included a lot of other characters would be included in that or given that title of event. But to us, this is why biblical slavery does not exist. That's right. Biblical slavery does not exist because we only define biblical slavery as the state of entire subjection of one person to the will of another, a condition of subjection or submission characterized by the lack of freedom of action or of will. Our challenge, which was not met, was to prove that there is involuntary servitude being conducted, and I specified, other than in the case of war, and what do our opponents do? They talk about war and what happens in the case of an in-war scenario where people, yes, are captured. We have more sophisticated ways of doing so today, but we still capture enemy combatants and survivors of war. 
Biblical slavery does not exist. If you're going to point to cases of debt, our opponent service appointed to the fact that people who were in debt um, were thrown in jail or made to pay that debt off. Well, if you owe your taxes, you better talk to a lawyer because if you don't appear for a debtor's examination, you can be thrown in jail. Okay, so there are situations today, this is why I specified, if you're going to point the finger at the Bible and say, Vaha, that is slavery, then you cannot live in a world, in, a, in America specifically, that would do the same thing to an individual who committed a crime, to an individual who was an enemy war combatant, to an individual who owed debt. Okay. would do the same exact thing. So, so my, my challenge would be to demonstrate other than in those scenarios. Now, uh, I just want to say this really quickly about mm. the marriage, the wife masters. And I have a question for Soros. I'll end there. Did the Eved know before he took a marriage contract, a Hebrew marriage contract or contracted into marriage with a Hebrew servant of the master, did he know that that would be the case beforehand or was he tricked? Because if he knew beforehand, then it is a voluntary act. So you cannot now cry, well, I took out a loan and it was at 23% interest and Bernie Sanders, come help me. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way. If you know in going into the contract, that that is the case, and those are the rules, that's his property, that, by the way, that would be the reasoning, according to scholars, because that servant is his property still. She may still owe him money. She may still be in debt. So no, you can't come marry all of my servants, so I don't have anyone to work anymore. So that was the stipulation. Did the servant know that beforehand? Yes or no? So there's a couple things, because this is framed very much as a gotcha. There's a couple things I want to address before even dealing with that. First of all, there seems to be a very libertarian idea here of all contracts are voluntary. If you are a slave. Until you prove otherwise. Yeah. All co you think all contracts are voluntary until, until you prove you can otherwise. Demonstrate that it is not a voluntary contract. Yes. So if you are handed a contract and your options are sign the contract or die. That is a voluntary contract to you. If you can demonstrate that. No, 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 no. Is that, is that a voluntary contract to you? If your options are sign the contract or die. If that it, specifically. If, am I facing, is this a war scenario? Are you I don't trying care. To, are you, I don't no, care. I do care. I do care. But I don't. I make a distinction between war scenarios. Why does the distinction matter? The rules matter? of engagement of war are different. War is war. If you're a pacifist, I'm, I'm, I'm great. But you live in a country where just war. I don't. I hate this thing. country. I don't give a shit. I know you I do. I know you do. But it, but your behind right now is safe because someone went out and fought in a just war for your freedom. So if you're going that to doesn't point matter to for warfare, the argument. I'm asking you if you have a contract in front of you and your options are sign the contract or die. Is that voluntary? If it this is, is divorced from context. If it is the U.S. military and I am part of the Third Reich. I'm signing the treaty. 
because I don't want to die. And I know I'm wrong for what I've done. So the Israelites were sort of like the freedom fighters of the ancient Near East. God sent them, and, I, and, and in your opening, it seems as though you were suggesting that these were not just wars, that God somehow was some tyrannical God going around looking for people to pick on. Right. That wasn't so the case. There's a caveat there that it's it's accept our peace treaty or go to war and die. So I think that's right. a, a straw man. And it's, it's a distortion of what the Bible says. Right. And it was a just war. If you read the uh, Exodus 34, for example, really early on before Deuteronomy, read Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 9, Genesis 15, even God explains to Abraham in the book of Genesis in uh, the book of Exodus, that these people need to go. They are throwing babies in okay, the I fire. Think we're, I'm sorry. I, I we're, think we're, we're very we're out of the weeds. Like, yeah, we're, we're shifting I, but to I, something else. I think that's an interesting topic, but I think we're shifting away from slavery. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the reason that whether or not it was a just war does not factor into the conversation. I was never, the the topic of the debate is not, are biblical wars justified? The topic of the debate is, does the Bible contain slavery? Is there slavery in the Bible? Is there biblical slavery? No. My, my point is that there is slavery. You do not need the letter of the law specifically to have slavery. You merely have to be an individual that is stripped of your freedoms and put in some form of servitude. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. Was Germany after World War One stripped of their, um, uh, did the same thing happen to Germany after World War One? Doesn't matter. We're not talking about wars. Oh, wait, you just brought up warfare as an example of slavery. Because that's specific to the actual topic in the Bible, <laughs> war in the what? Bible. So, so what do we do with people who are enemy combatants? Do we put them back into society and let them roam around and keep raping and pillaging what do we do with those people? wait so enemy combatants just rape and pillage that's what they do enemy do think, combatants, is, that, is that what you think military personnel do criminals yeah from other countries yeah sure wait wait only from other, other countries hold, wait hold on hold on sure. right, hold on hold on sorry so, so what do we do with those individuals that's what on, i'd like hang, you hang on answer. hang on jill hang on jill so let, let's let's just make sure we're all i feel like this might be my role here is just sort of answer little things like this and you guys can go at it so Deuteronomy 20 here that like this is what Deuteronomy the, the rules of warfare are right so and you guys have talked about it already uh, so you have two types of cities right those that are far off and those that are in Canaan proper the ones that are in Canaan proper are under the ban right so there is no you know pre peace treaty offered to them they're either annihilated driven out whatever right but that's that's Canaan proper so those cities that are outside are offered shalom right they're offered a peace treaty a vassalage if they accept everything's good, they become uh, corvée labor, right? In Hebrew moss, right? So, if Solomon wants to get you know a big building built, he bring bring a bunch of people from your city, right? So they're not slaves proper. I mean, we would probably call them some type of slave today, uh, yeah. but you know, it's it's not like it's not like they could go, man. It's you know it's Friday, I want to watch the game, right? Yeah, it's no, you're you're called, right? This is this is corvée labor. Um, those that fought, those that put up a fight, uh, they're to be emasculated. That city, all the men are killed, right? There are no, there are no POWs left. Because the all the killed. men would have fought. 
Right. Yes. They all they all been killed. Right. They're That's all, the point. All the men so they're all killed. Back. Even at the as early as the age of thirteen, which is still the case today. But go ahead. Right. But so yeah. so the men are killed. Women and children are taken as plunder. So those are your situations. So you don't, it's 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 not like you have this situation where, all right, we got Jim here, you know, this 25-year-old guy who's been fighting with us and we've we've bound him. You know, now what do we do? You know, do we let him run around? Do we take him as a slave? No, he's killed, right? So that's done. Um, yeah, because he would have fought. That we're he he would have fought. Please, right, please but that's, mention but that's that. He would have fought back. That's the point. Yeah. He's, he's, he's already agreed to you gun. three yeah. times, Jill. <laughs> Okay. But this is so, so what is so what is plunder? So what is plunder? Praise. Can you explain what plunder is? Because I so think perhaps the audience is, is not just, familiar with the term. Yeah, yeah, plunder is actually called vassalage. This is actually outlined in the net translation notes by the scholars. And vassalage means that they they agreed upon terms throughout the ancient Near East with Israel would be the suzerain and the lesser nations, the or inferior nations to the vassal would they would agree upon contractual obligations or conditions and they would just um continue what they agreed upon so i don't see any problem with that if they agree if these are agreements that's not slavery i'm sorry there's no way you can wiggle that in there so like the gibeonites for example you talked about joshua yes. nine so the gibeonites are people that if anybody doesn't know the story and in service i promise i'll be quiet um <laughs> but, but like you know, the, the story is the Gibeonites, here come the Israelites, they've wiped out Jericho, they've wiped out Ai, they're kicking ass and taking names throughout, you know, the land of Canaan, and the Gibeonites go, okay, what are we going to do? Because we're Canaanites, like, we're here, uh, they're going to kill us, so what do we do? Well, we're going to we're gonna put on old clothes, and we're going to get, you know, these old wineskins, and we're going to pretend to have traveled from very far, we would be one of these cities outside of Canaan proper, that's what we're going to feign. And so they came and they say, oh, Mia, make a peace treaty with us. Offer us that shalom from Deuteronomy 20. And Joshua, yeah, all right, that's cool. And then they find out, oh, they're actually Canaanites. So they, they're not wiped out because they made it a vassalage treaty with them, right? And so they have to honor that treaty. But they become water drawers and hewer, what, hewers of, of wood or cutters of wood or whatever. And that's what they are until this day, the text says. So, you know, it, the, the, those Gibeonites are not taken as slaves proper into like people's houses and, all right, you're going to work you know, out in the field and then come back in. But they're, they become corvée labor. They become that type of vassal. Right. Um, so, I mean, would you say that, okay, we know that that, that type of context of labor would not be cons or, uh, equated with the antebellum South, right, Josh? You would agree with correct. that? I would okay. agree with that, yeah. Okay. I would like an answer to my question. Did the master or did the Eved that took one of his master's servants to be his wife. Actually, he didn't take her. I don't want to suggest that he stole her or kidnapped her. He was given a wife from one of the boss's workers, hired workers. Did he not Please. know that that would have been the case, that he would have to stay if he married her before he did took her hand in marriage? Did he not know so that? There's a couple of issues. Issue one is that this is something that's going to vary on individual basis. Did everybody know the entire context of the law at all times mm. during that time? Was everybody always educated on that? Uh -huh. Is that so because because even today, in the age of the internet where everybody can pull up our laws right now, they don't. So I don't think either one of us can actually make a 100 okay. percent okay. argument on whether or not they knew. Sure. Sure. But the, but the point you is, you want me to answer it? 
The point by is, all, is by that all that means, you've be... probably got more more uh, experience in that particular field. So the law is not like envisioning envisioning these these types of questions, right? So what the law is stating is that uh, just as you see, um, and this is this is just sort of consensus scholarship. Um, in verses seven through eleven, where you have the uh, service, as you mentioned, the the daughter that's sold as a as an ama, uh, as a female slave, um, she is being used for sexual reproduction. That's the whole point. She's there's debate about whether it's marriage or if it's concubinage. Seems like it's probably more concubinage, but whatever. Because she is being used for sexual reproduction, her status has to change because that's how it is in the ancient Near East. Um, because she she's devalued at that point. You see that in Exodus, you know, 22, you see it in Deuteronomy 22. Um, so like that's clear. Uh, so what we see in verses two to six is essentially the same thing, but for the man. So for a male who's coming. So this idea that that um that, that he has volition in this, that that the master is saying, Hey, I got this woman. If you're like if you're lonely or something, he's I want, I want, I want another slave. I want more, right? I want another slave. So you are. I'm using you for sexual reproduction. This this is what that male slave is doing. So it's not a question of like, oh, great, I get it. You know, I'm, I'm I don't have to spend my nights, you know, alone anymore. Would the he, would he say, have known that he would be required to stay if he took one of these wives, several other wives he could have chose. If he I think took you're one assuming volition wives, on his part. Yeah, you're assuming, you're assuming you're assuming that a slave that <laughs> has you're a master. You're assuming, that the, you're assuming, yes, he does. He does. He could leave if he wanted to. According he can, to leave, he can leave his master if he wanted to. Yes, according to Deuteronomy Before 15. making the arrangement. Before making while the he's in serv While he's in servitude, the minute that the master yes. presents the life point. to him, he, he can, can just leave. leave. Point. He can really? leave at any are you, point. Are you yeah. basing that on Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 23, 15 to 16? Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, like, I know this comes up a lot. Um, and praise, I know you like to cite Ray Westbrook a lot, but read what he says about it and what, you know, Kenneth Kitchen says about it and Gene Haas and, I mean, any host of the scholars. Deuteronomy 23, 15 to 16 uh, is about slaves that are escaping from foreign lands. And praise, as you talk about all the time, this this vassalage, you know, this uh, Susan Vassal Treaty, the whole point of Deuteronomy, and you see it over and over again, and Jill, you talked about it, the head, not the tail, the whole point of Deuteronomy is don't make treaties with the nations around you, right? So the, if, you, if you read how that those two verses are, um, uh, are formed, he's allowed to uh, come in and stay in any place that he would like, in whatever town he would like. You know, unless he's a Levite, uh, the Israelites have their own parcels of land to go back to. So, I mean, like, go read what Ray Westbrook says, but these are foreign slaves that are escaping okay, from the, foreign lands. And the point on, is you don't have... that really quick, um, Jill. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you mind so, if I finish? Sure, oh, sure go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, so, you know, the point is don't have extradition treaties. You see it with Shimei. Um, so you see this sort of thing in the biblical text, but this is about extradition treaties. That, that was only okay. for certain nations, but go, but go ahead, um, Praise. Yeah, so number one, uh, Numbers 15, 15 through 30, makes it really clear that the non-Israelites were under one law. So I don't I don't think that is a sufficient explanation. I don't think that's a sufficient excuse maybe to separate foreigners, but also I don't think there's a foreigner distinction period. Uh, if I'm sure you are well read into this literature, Josh, that 
they didn't, there was no ethnic distinction back then. There was no um, racial distinction that didn't exist. So I don't know what that means. Um, I don't know what so, you mean by that. Okay, homeborn. So I guess we can we can do it this way. Um, so you you were either homeborn into the tribes of Israel, or you were outside with these other religions that had their customs and beliefs, and you could be proselytized into the covenant. We would call those people foreigners, but not by race or not by because we had Egyptians that were actually instituted into free i mean they were in exodus 21 too if you i'm sure you know this too that the word there in the hebrew is avri and it actually means habiru a habiru servant which are egyptians they're canaanites um so if they can come in with if, if, they, if they can come in their own volition and these are non-homeborn israelites so i i don't see i don't i don't see that being a sufficient explanation for those so I don't want to I don't want to derail this too much. Uh, two couple of things that I would say though is probably would be good to define ethnicity as you're using it. Um, but again, I think that would derail it. So I think that would be the thing if we're going to go talking about that, understanding what ethnicity means. Uh, so Edomites, Moabites, these are different ethnicities. Um, they're all. You know, but anyway, I don't want to derail this. The other thing is the Ivri Habiru connection um, is something like. You know, obviously, I think you know about these articles. Meredith Klein uh, wrote three articles about this, and I mean, conclusively, I think, and pretty, pretty substantially shows uh, this is a gentilic term, right? So this is this is not talking. If you know, Dozman, I think, says it this way uh, in his Exodus commentary. It's like tantalizing to see. It, sorry, the connection that we're talking about for everybody in the audience. The word Hebrew is Ivri. Um, and there's a group of people that we see in the Amarna letters, you know, from the 14th century. We see them at Newsy, for example, and they're called the Habiru. And this is sort of a social class of people. They're kind of outcasts. You hear about Idrumi. Uh, David was considered a Habiru. Um, but it's this sort of outcast, you know, they're, they're rebels, you know, whatever. Um, and so there was this connection because they seemed to, you know, I and bait race and there's this hobby rue. So, you know, uh, this guttural letter. And so maybe there's this connection between them. And so there was, so Dozman says, well, the, the connection, the etymological connection is tantalizing, I think is the word that he uses. Um, the way that the term is used in the biblical corpus. And that's, what's key. Joe, you were talking about that earlier. It's not how the word was originally like put together or where it came from or something. Um, it's how the word is used in the context. And when you look through how Ivri is used in the context of the canon of the, of the biblical text, um, it's a gentilic. It's it, like Deuteronomy 15 is probably the one of the key places to see this, um, where it's equates paralleled. It's equated with your brother, the, you know, Ivri and Ivriya, the male Ivri and the female Ivriya, your brother. Right. These are Israelites. Um, yeah, so scholars that's not, would that's, yeah. That, they, yeah, that's not a that's not really a debated thing. I think we're I think we're moving towards describing the system that they used back then. Maybe you think this system is better. What I hear is I don't like it. I don't hear any I don't see any demonstration of a gang of taskmasters calling themselves Israelites 
going around subjecting people like Boko Haram to sex slavery, to uh, any sort of forced servitude. What I see is a system in which debt is paid by means of serving the one you owe the debt to. And to Dr. Josh, let me just correct you about the, the treaties. Yes, the treaties were not, uh, it was not that they were not to make treaties with anyone. God specifically tells them who they are not to treaty with. That these people, that the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, it, first sense. of all, the attack was on these people was not on an innocent people. It was God's judgment against their abominable, uh, their abominable abom abominations that they were performing and their sins that they were performing, according to Genesis 15, Deuteronomy 7, we can go to I agree. Uh, Exodus 34. So those were the nations that were listed that were not to be, uh, that they were not to sign a treaty or an agreement with. I agree. Okay. Um, so I, I still, I'm still looking and searching for someone who can demonstrate that in innocent person they did not owe debt therefore they would not be forced to work they're lean they would not have property their property leaned or a lien put on their property they would not be thrown in jail for not paying child support or not paying their taxes tax evasion i'm sure that most of your audience james would have loved to see, see donald trump thrown in jail for not paying his taxes uh, but yet when the israelites are doing that to the people who are outlaws, to people who are, uh, are not following the law and are not law-abiding citizens, they somehow are accused of chattel slavery. Slave, biblical slavery does not exist. Why do I say that? Because what, how we define slavery today is not how they define slavery then. So you cannot are you look looking, in the Bible. So are you looking for a definition of like how scholars define biblical slavery? Biblical slavery doesn't exist because in every case and where so no, you're not in, looking for a definition that biblical scholars give for slavery. I well, I gave I gave another. Do you want definition. a? I, I will give you three different biblical scholars definitions of slavery again, you and, and and you've already given me those definitions. And again, so, those situations, Doctor Josh, has, this is what I'm trying though? to explain. Has those he though? I don't think those he did. Okay, he can give him again. Those situations are the same today. In those scenarios today, we would incarcerate, and even in, uh, up until you know the past 10 years, we would even force them to work. We used to call them chain gangs. In those same scenarios today. So why then, if we in America subjugate a prisoner to a lifetime of confinement in some cases and servitude, or someone who owes a debt, you may be working for McDonald's, but you're really working for Citibank until that debt is paid. Why? So it's more sophisticated. Yes. And we've gotten rid of, uh, we've, we've added a middleman sort of. Um, we can send the tax man to garnish your wages instead of forcing you to work for the person directly. Sure. So yes, although be it more sophisticated, the concept is still the same. The, the uh, uh, lender is, is slave to the lender or, or the borrower, excuse me, the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a age old concept. It will always be the case. 
It's the case today. It was the case then. I need something outside of those scenarios in order for me to believe biblical slavery exists. I'm sorry. Yeah, and I kind of want to add this real quick to what Jill's say, talking about. So I'm going to quote Raymond Westbrook from History of Ancient Law or Ancient Near Eastern Law. So in, in section 4.52 of his book, it's called Property Law. And this is what he calls property, a purchased, inherited, hired, or pledged person. So if, if that is, if that's going to be considered slavery, being someone that's hired, then maybe that's what we call a uh, presentist fallacy. And uh, I would like maybe, Suris, do you know what a presentist fallacy is? Presentist fallacy is when we take the etymological definition for a word as it was used thousands of years ago and impose a present meaning onto it. Not quite. So if, if, if you uh, criticize an older culture with, with a modern lens and and actually condemn it, that is a presentist fallacy here because uh, if, if, if modern terms, if we're gonna call hired people property or chattel slaves, then that's an issue. And I think that's where maybe Josh, I think maybe that's what his definition is. I'd like to actually hear that. Um, so Josh, if you wanted to clear that up, I'd, I'd love to hear, is, is that true? Do you consider a hired person property? Uh, so I think Ray Westbrook is probably talking about property law there. I mean, I'd have to look at the passage you're describing. It's a 1,200-page book, two volumes that you're reading yeah. from. But do you know if he's talking about in the old Babylonian period? Is he talking about just in his introduction? Um, he's, he's talking about this in general, servile conditions. Um, what section? Do you know what section it's 4. in? I mean, what section? Right, yeah. but is that in his introduction? He's got a lengthy introduction? Or? No, no, it's not the introduction, no. Okay. I mean, I'll take a look at it. Uh, but so the the idea of property law, for example, and I'm just spitballing because I don't know what that section that he's describing is uh, talking about specifically, but he talks, Ray Westbrook talks about property law as it appears um, in Exodus 21, for example, and he says there's even a tension inside of um, the way that slaves are treated in Exodus 21, uh, there are some places that it seems to fall under property law, like with the goring ox. And then there's some where it seems to fall under family law, as in verses 20 to 21 and 26 and 27. Uh, so there's, you know, for, so f when the slave is gored, for example, uh, this is under property law, the, the, the owner of that slave is uh, remunerated with or, you know, paid back with 30 shekels of silver, right? He's made good on his loss. He's made whole. Uh, whereas in Exodus 21, uh, 20 to 21 and 26, 27, the, uh, you know, the, the, the crime is committed, of course, against the person of the slave. Uh, and so there's, because there's this retribution in some form, um, that's, he, you know, he considers that closer to family law. So there's, there's tension inside, but I, I you know, I'd have to read the section right. that he's talking about. So that's that a whole other rabbit trail with the Gord Ox thing, because I do believe it's negligent, I, or he was not negligent in that case, I just think, or yeah, he was negligent, and it was just of a misunderstanding, or his uh, ignorance or whatever, he wasn't paying attention, that happened, so we can go into that later on. But I guess my point here is that, I mean, that seems to be the case with other scholars too, that they call property people chattel, people that are hired. So I don't know, like with modern terminology, we have to be careful. We have to define contractor. our terms. Contractor. Yeah, contractor. 
So there's, yeah, a, right. so, there's a thing that's happened oh. there I, I, I want to point out. You listed about four different things that were considered, or four different types of people that were considered property from from somebody who was uh, in indentured servitude, somebody who was you know captured in, in war, somebody in prison, and then you had uh, somebody who's hired, and then you focused on somebody who's hired, somebody who's hired, who's just focused on this, ignoring that we probably would consider everyone else in those categories to be a slave. Like, I, I don't know why wow. we're focusing just on a person who was hired merely because they're part of the definitions in property law. Because those, they were civil, they were citizens. The, if, you, if you're going to shift the conversation to warfare, then you have to explain to me why the Versailles Treaty was the way that it was. Why, when we defeated the Axis powers in World War I, why is it that we forced them to work? Yes, we forced them to pay reparations. The reason why the Israeli army is, it's such as the same today, although more sophisticated, as I mentioned, the reason why these individuals are forced to work, that is their punishment for waging war against the nations, for so waging if, war against their own children. So if for, Israel chooses to go to war with another nation, they, they didn't choose them, to go to war with another they, nation. They were sent to war. Just wait, like they were sent, soldiers were but sent. wait, who, so Israel as an entity, just as, as an, as, as a political entity, never chose to go to war ever. They, they were sent to war. I didn't say fight. Israelites. I said, Israel. Are you talking about modern day Israel? No, I'm talking about Israel as, the Israelites as a people back then, but not individual Israelites. I'm not saying did an individual person. The nation of Israel, the... yes. God created a nation of people, and he called them Israel, yes. Okay, and those people, as they existed back then, never once chose to go to war, correct? Never They were once. sent by God to fight against Israel. Amalek, they were sent by God to fight against these nations who were committing atrocities that if were occurring today, I would hope Joe Biden would send a rescue okay, team. So you keep inserting to, modern day politics into this and it's Because it's nothing silly. has changed. There's nothing new okay. under the sun. Then it, if, then there it's regimes, it, if there are regimes that are killing children systematically, right. then we are, we ought to, I'll say, you're, you're not a Christian, so you don't live under the same Moral, oh ethical standards. None of, right. Jill, Just, none of on, this matters on, to the conversation. On. It does. Okay, so look, no, look, it, it does. does. Because Jill, if you're going to point, hold on, hold on. Just, just, ha just hang on. For Christ's sake, then you need to Jill, demonstrate that we would to. not do the same thing today. Okay, Jill, if Jill, the situation just to be. I hate to. I just want to ask you if you can wrap this sentence up, Jill. Okay, if the situation were the same today, would we not go over there and kick butt? The Versailles Treaty. I'll talk about the Versailles Treaty later because they don't understand that, that it's a more sophisticated form of slavery, which is why Hitler was so upset, which is why you had World War II. Oh, Sirs, did you did you see you, you want to say something? Or? Oh no, I'm broken. Go ahead. So in Leviticus 25, like this is something that I think is important to recognize, right? In Exodus 21, uh the law is very clear. You can take an evidivri, you can take a Hebrew slave. Uh, six years, keep him, set him free in the seventh. Deuteronomy 15, same thing is true. There might be uh, a development there where um, the uh, female slave is also allowed to go free, which might have been different in Exodus 21. We don't really know. 
Uh, it could uh, just Dr. be. Judge, that, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off, but you're not explaining whether or not. Wait, hold on, hold on. So you were allowed to service. go for right. how long? Jill, and let's we had to just let's let you. I agree with Suris okay. here, Jill. Let's okay. just to be sure we have uh, plenty of time. The, I need, uh, I need to know if these events are there voluntarily but Jill, or not. But okay, go ahead. Let's let's give them a few minutes, and then they'll have a chance to answer. Okay. So uh, you can have a, a, a Hebrew slave in Exodus 21. Have a uh-huh. Hebrew slave in De- Deuteronomy 15. When you get to Leviticus 25, the text says no more. Right. Go down to verse 39 to 43. If if uh, if a uh, Israelite becomes so destitute that he has to sell himself to you. You cannot make him do the work of a slave, right? You have to treat him as a sahir. And so this is one of these places that it's very clear the distinction between a hired worker and an evid, right? Now, the, the debates about what that actually means, specifically how the, the sahir is, you know, different from the evid, whatever. But the text is making it clear that there's a distinction between those two. Then it says, this is where 44 to 46 comes in, if you want male and female slaves. You get them from the nations around you or from the Toshavs that are in your They may come. It says they may come. It's not misquoting the text, please. Uh, you may take them. So it doesn't say take them. That's what it says. That's not what it, it says. You may okay. purchase them, right? So you may purchase yeah, them. You may it doesn't purchase say you them. may take them. Can you I may purchase um, them. jump in here really quick? So, the, so you were wrong, Jill. You so the, it doesn't better. say you may take them. That's what you said. Does it say that they may come? They may come, yes. I can still come voluntarily. You need to demonstrate involuntary right. no, service. No, nobody's making not, the argument. See, not, this is where I think you're making the, 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 the false distinction I don't want to hear you nobody's talk about making, how many no, I, I, We don't want to hear you talk at all, but we've had yeah. to do it. Okay, so, it's crazy. So, nobody's making the argument. This is why I asked you, Jill, if you wanted me to read my definition of slavery, but you don't seem to want to hear it. Sure. I, I, because I said nobody's be, making yeah, the argument. Nobody's making the argument that slavery is only involuntary. In fact, most of the slavery that occurred in the ancient Near East in general is volitional. It's technically volitional, right? So if you look at 2 Kings 4.1, where the, where the widow woman is saying, help me, Elisha, because the, 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 the creditor is coming to take my two sons, she's technically Thank entered you. into that volitionally through her husband, right? But no, but like there's a difference between practical volition and legal volition, right? And I don't think you're making that distinction. Yeah, thank yeah, I you for proving my really point. Quick. Thank you for winning the debate for us. Thank you, Dr. Josh. So again, me, when I brought up Exodus 21, 1 through 3 to Josh, I brought up the word to the Hebrew, what they, it's called a Hebrew, but I would say no, it's not. It's, it could mean any, it could be homeborn or non-homeborn person. The reason why I brought that up is because this is the people that are being mentioned in Leviticus 25, 44 through 46. And uh, so, Josh, are you familiar with um, adoption through manumission, the process manumission of Manumission through adoption? Yes. Yes. You see it at Newsy. Yes. yes. Very familiar. And these would be landless slaves. They'd be famine slaves. These would be people that have so much debt. I don't think it could be, un- it could be uh, not even recovered. So that's the point of me bringing that up in Exodus 21 too, because if here's, here's the problem with slavery. Why do you see that in Leviticus 25? Sorry. Why do you see that in Leviticus 25? Okay. So these would be landless slaves. These would be the vries that we're talking about. The ones that are famine, the ones that are, are, you know, that have unrecoverable debt. Let's put it that way. So they had two ways they can, there's two ways they could operate. They would, they would have to go through the court system. They would, they would, get legally adopted through their master. And then when the master died, they would receive the house and all the things that the master has. And so why would you assume that's happening in Leviticus 25, 44 to 46? Because that means Olam. That means it's going beyond the, the, the typical six to seven year 
uh, contract. So that's that's. Well, they're specifically passed on as inheritance to the children. Doctor Josh, can yes. you demonstrate the yeah. the vet in Leviticus twenty five is there involuntarily? No, and no one needs to. Okay, so okay. The, right, text, the text doesn't the text doesn't deal with that issue. It doesn't because can you can you concede the fact that every transaction in Leviticus twenty five is about fifty some odd, some odd verses. They're all voluntary trans financial transactions, land, property. Uh, no, is that I, true I, or false? I, I can't. I can't. I can't speak to it because the None text of us doesn't can. Want to speak to the it. The text doesn't speak to that. It's if you buy so, a piece so, of property, what, on, if you ask me a question, hold on. Question, me, hold, on hold on. You asked me a question, so let me answer it. You asked it twice. Let me answer the question. I'm very familiar with it. Okay. So let me answer the question. Let's. Let's. Okay. Joe, we'll come back. Do I promise? You're you're a cool guy. Um, so in Leviticus 25, 44 to 46, the text is not being specific about whether these are debt slaves. So you have Toshavim, for example, right? These are, um, May Shah would argue that these are like, you asked me if all of these. I said the transactions in Leviticus 25. Forget about are all involuntary or voluntary. Yes, are, right. It's buying a house. Well, I'm Is that picking a voluntary one or? specific. I'm I'm picking one and You're telling you one. why I can't say that they all <laughs> are. Does that make okay. sense? All right. I'm asking about the others. All the other transactions. We're talking about context. Wait. Right? So when you lose we're, on we're one talk- goalpost, you just hold throw on. it to the other one? Uh, no, no, no. I didn't say about Leviticus. Your first. Your first. Hold, hold on. on. No, 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 let Doctor Josh. Let Doctor Josh answer. Leviticus 25, the entire chapter. All of the transactions, except for the one you want to pick out and say this is involuntary, not you. You started Josh, off saying you, all. I, I haven't said that not, it's involuntary. I, I, Jill. I said not Way you, Doctor. I, I just said not you, Doctor Josh. You listen. No. I said not you, but most you, atheists, you internet tropes, most atheists will pull that passage, Leviticus forty-four to forty-six, and swear to their God of Google. That this is an involuntary servitude. So I appreciate I the fact you. that you are not making that same mistake or assumption. Here's my question. Jill, my question uh, is, you've been talking a lot. Can you make this short and pithy? Yeah, yes, it was very short. <laughs> my question is, in Leviticus 25, every other transaction besides that one, are they voluntary business transactions, as you would see today, buying a home, buying land, or are they transactions that are forced on or uh, abrasive or uh, um, or someone being subjugated and forced to sell their land, for example? Yes or no? That that seemed very loaded. Um, So, no, I I would say that for the most part, uh, what you see is a progression of Israel, if you're not talking about 44 to 46, um, what you're you're seeing in the text is a three-stage progression of poverty that's coming upon uh, the Israelite, right? So he has to sell a parcel of his land and ultimately has to sell all of his land and ultimately has to sell himself, right? So these would all be legally volitional, right? They'd all be legally voluntary. Um, that's yeah. not really the debate, though. Okay, okay. Thank you for answering my question. Yeah, they were so all legal you. transactions, legal, yeah. and they would be legal and morally, ethically I don't think today. anybody's arguing that any of them are illegal, Okay, well, 44 so, to 46, many people argue this. Okay, let me just show you really quick, Jill. So these people in <laughs> Leviticus 24 or 25, 44 through 46, we call the same people in Exodus 21 to the Vri. Why do you say get, that, though? Well, because they get their ear pierced as to, to have a, a permanent um, commitment to their master. So 
all you the mean people in Deuteronomy 15. Well, no, actually, Exodus 21, uh, 2, 3, 3 as well. Okay, maybe during 15, I don't know, but I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. specifically I don't think you see going to Leviticus 25. Yeah, so I'm just specifically going to 20 or 21, 2 through 3, and then showing the reference how it uh, comports with Leviticus 25, 44 through 46, because these are the same people that got their ear pierced as a commitment to their master forever. The word forever there is Olam, the same one yes. used in Leviticus 25, 46. So yes. considering all the data we I mean, we have out there, Josh, I'm, I think it's pretty clear that these are not some type of war POWs or anything like that. I think these are just people that were part of the, the whole area that encompassed Israel. And they were called Hebrews, but they were not necessarily homeborn, but they were landless, uh, famine slaves. And therefore, I don't see how you can uh, institute well, any type not, of slavery there. He's not calling them slaves. He just said that they were not. He doesn't know. Well, they doesn't definitely say. are slaves. Yeah, they definitely are well, slaves. Yeah, so, according to their well, language Jill, that they hang, use. Hang, 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 yeah. hang on. Hang on. So, okay. We uh, let me see if I can today. You done? Okay, good. So let me see if I can steal man your argument, Praise, just so I understand what you're saying. You're making the argument that in Exodus 21, 2 to 6, these Ivri are actually Habiru. Yes. Okay. So just so everybody follows this um, that's watching, and Suris, I'm really sorry. I got to okay. stop talking. Um, hey, you're fine. So... The Habiru that you see in Newsy, for example, this is like the one place that we see them. These are foreigners that come in. They're not necessarily foreigners. They could be citizens, but they're usually foreigners. They come into Newsy and they go to often wealthy people and they say, look, I will serve you as a slave until you die, right? And I will give you like, I'll take care of you until that time, and when you die, I'll do the proper burial, and I'll do funerary rites and all these things. And then once there's a, there's a contract that's drawn up, and once all those obligations are met following the death of the master, they are uh, uh, manumitted through adoption, right? And they inherit. Yes. yes. So, like, what we see with um, Eliezer in uh, Genesis 15, this is what Abraham's, like, thinking to do, right? Oh, that, you know, uh, Eliezer, the... This, the, the, the steward, whatever the KJV says in my house, uh, will inherit, right? This is the, this is the point. This is the, this, uh, manumission through adoption. Okay. So then praise, if that's what you're saying, then you would say that these are foreigners in Exodus 21, uh, because they're coming in just like they were in Newsy. Yep. And that, that when we see foreigners then in Leviticus 25, 44 yes. to 46, that those are actually hobbyers. Okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. So I, I understand your argument. There are a couple of problems with it that I see. Um, one, the way that the biblical text uses Habiru, even in even in Exodus 21, um, uh, sorry, not Habiru, how it uses Ivri, uh, even in Exodus 21, seems problematic for that. It seems to use it as a gentilic. Uh, even, for example, in um, verse 7 or 8, maybe even 9 of 21, where it talks about the master has no right to sell the daughter to a foreigner, Right, so there seems to be this distinction between an Ivri and a foreigner. But the point is that even, even if we granted for a second that Ivri, which doesn't appear in Leviticus 25, even if Ivri means Habiru and that Habiru is what's intended in Leviticus 25, it doesn't seem to follow because there's no manumission when the master dies, which is what it's all about. 
he's passed on as inheritance. So there is no manumission at the death. It's like the key thing about it. There's no manumission. Well, I mean, well, I don't think any of the texts would indicate that. I just think the word Olam would necessarily mean that. I don't. So are you saying the text is supposed to say they were manumitted after the, the master dies? I mean, does that what no. the, the Mesopotamian text say? Yeah, that's what you would see at Newsy, for example. Oh, Newsy, like you okay. would see, yeah, I mean, and not just Newsy, but I mean, like that's where it's like, um, like you can go pick up. Uh, yeah, Tim, there's a new, well, anyway, there's a new book out. I can't remember what it's called, but, um, but uh, it talks about that type of manumission. But there's an there's adoption contracts in Old Babylonian period by Martha Roth that you could pick up from okay. Eisenbronze. But um, yeah, the, the problem with this, sorry, I've gotten way too technical and serious. Sir, I'm done after <laughs> I say this. I'm so sorry. Um, the, 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 the main problem with this is that the word olam there, like we don't, I think you're right, praise. We don't want to read into that some like anachronistic for all eternity, like, you know, into, you know, the time that will be in heaven or something. That's not what I think the text is right. doing. The, the, the word olam there, in the same way that you have the eternal covenant, the barit olam, you know, uh, or, uh, you know, the, 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 what you see even in the slave context in Exodus 21 and Deuteronomy 15 is from this point forward, right, into the into the future indefinitely is the point of olam. Um, so, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, so... Um, I'm just saying there's scholars on both sides of that. There's I, I can name several scholars that would take the Avrees to be the, the same people in Leviticus 25, 44 through 46. Can you tell me who they are? Uh, yeah. So let me one second. I'll pull it up. But before whether I do they that, were Whether they were an V, a foreigner, a Haburu, I need to know whether they're there forcefully. That's what I need to know. What, what do you d- define forcefully? Forced servitude. That's, That's what I need that to know. Didn't, that didn't define it. So, okay, Jill, forcing someone to work against their will. You need to define force. Okay, so force let me, is let, the, me ask is you, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example, and you tell me if that's what it is. Um, in Exodus twenty-one two to six, where it talks about if the master gives a wife, forget about who she is; she's his property. But forget about whether she has a debt or whatever mm. she doesn't. But forget about that. I already dealt with child that. that's born, the child that's born, or the children that are born of that union. Mm. They're houseborn slaves. Great. So are people today free. born into welfare, the welfare state. Uh, I don't need you to bring that up children. Children are not, it. children are forced by their parents. I need a taskmaster with the Israeli flag. I don't know if they had flags back then. I'm sure they did. I need an Israeli taskmaster forcing someone into servitude, other than in the case of war or a prisoner. Or I'm someone who owes a so, debt. So you're defining so, so force mean, as illegally that, take. That was the well, the yeah. What we would well, define as illegally take. Today, so wait, law. wait. That's what I so need. That's the question I asked you last week. Why, why would the law stipulate you, you can illegally 20. take? What? Well, why would the law stipulate you can illegally take someone? Why would it do why that? Why would the law stipulate? No, I need a case where the law is. Now, legislating, since you believe these laws are legislative, these laws no, are legislative. No, I don't. Oh, you don't. Okay. Uh, you're a student of Westbrook, it, I hear. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. He died before I got so, there, but go ahead. So I need a case where God is saying, okay, you have taken this person against their will. Here is what you need to do for them now. 
instead of Exodus 21, 16, which says you should be put to death for doing what you just did. That's yeah, what I mean. Why would the that's law say you can do this illegal thing? Exactly. I don't understand your question. Well, that's that's why I don't believe biblical slavery exists because there is so you define in the slavery. Torah. You 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 define slavery as illegally taking someone. I define to. slavery as as I just did earlier for you. Let me look for that definition for you again. I define slavery as Wait, we define slavery today, when you subject or submit someone to a condition against their will, but they don't have freedom or action of their own will. So the ch- there's a couple things there. F- the first thing is that we are 30 minutes after the request, and I don't think Josh actually has had a chance to define, so to give his three definitions of slavery. Um, but I, I, there is a thing that I wanted to piggyback off of. Josh, you mentioned that the child that's born into these circumstances, they would be a, a homeborn slave. They are here. Mm-hmm. This child what options does this child have? Like, are, are they, are they, are they just stuck here? Like when are they yeah. released? That's when it. they become of age. So Wait, where does it say that? Where does it say when they become of age? Deuteronomy 15, the law would apply to them when they became of age until then they were under their parents' jurisdiction. Parents still have you can, autonomy you could, over their you children. Could, you could make the argument in Leviticus 25 when the Jubilee yeah. isn't stated, you could make the argument that they're free to go then, but yeah. I don't know that that's actually the case. Moreover, been, if you're a, they, if by the, hold on, there's a thing that I that I want to point out there. By this, if we had somebody who was legitimately chattel a chattel slave in the United States, but they went free at one point during their life, likely because we we had the emancipation. By your definition, now this person's not a slave because so there was who, a point in time so, where they got to be freed. So who made That's them a, a chattel question. slave? Their mother, their parents made that decision for them. That's not what I'm looking for, sir. I need you to show. You're me, looking. You're you looking. Okay I need that? you to show you're me. You're okay Israelis, with that? Though? Like, if the parent says yes, we are going to move and work on this person's farm because this person has money and we don't. And you are going to bail hay, son. Guess who's moving to Arizona to bail hay? And you're okay with that? I, I, I you're have you're no all problem. You're, you yeah, have no problem with that. that. This is servitude. What is that wrong is with servitude? The way oh, it's work. just servitude. Oh, yeah, I'm confused. It's just You're not servitude. Being fo- okay. Now, if somebody yeah. from Arizona comes and kidnaps me and says, yeah. your children are coming to work for me, now we have a different story. So even in America today, what was going on then, as far as the servitude is concerned, it's a parent's decision to make for their family. So, in no so position you were good with second things for. So, so you agree, you agree, that a child that is born into a slave no family to judge that family member's decision. You are in no position. I'm not to judging. Judge the the, I'm not judging the family, family member's decision. Yes, you are. Not. You're judging no, a parent's not. decision for their children. Let's hear from Jill, Ferris. Do you have the ability and, yeah, to I shut the fuck up? <laughs> so, uh, Josh, the citation is Karen yeah. Ray and also Noth. Those are the two scholars that say what do that they say that it's. The Avri are the same people in Leviticus 25. Can you read the quote? Sure, yeah. I'll do the first one. So this is um, Karen Ray. The buying of the Hebrew servant in Exodus 21-2 would most likely refer to a foreign Hebrew servant in Leviticus 25, 44 through 46. And then Noth, he says... 
The main argument against the assertion that the Hebrew of Exodus 21, 2, 3, 6 was an Israelite is Leviticus 25, 44, FF, where it is required that slaves in the possession of an Israelite to be foreigners. However, Leviticus 25 is no practical importance as evidence. It is more likely that the entire passage from VV 39, FF is on late in some ways to be understood as substantially rewritten recapitulation of Exodus 21, 2. Right, but I don't think you want to use that one. I mean, you might, unless you, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what your view of inspiration is, but, like, he's talking about source criticism there. Like, okay. that's a later redaction. I don't know if you want to argue that or not. Um, I'll have to look into it, but he just, yeah. but here's what his last part, he says, does not refer to a certain ethnicity, but solely to the slave's social status. And that's what I hold. I don't believe there's ethnical distinctions. I just think that um, that they are social, social distinctions rather than ethnic ethnical when are both of those citations from um let's see here this because i've um, never heard of karen ray so this is, is daily martin life. note go ahead is it martin note yes N-O-T-H? yeah yes. yeah so that's pretty old but yes uh, 1966 yeah and karen ray is who uh Sorry, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Oh, no, no. Uh, Her book was Daily Life in Ancient Mesopotamia. So I pages 119 through 20. It's the best I can give you in that source there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the the reason that Meredith Klein wrote his three articles in 58 or 59, whatever it was, is because this was debated, right? This was a question. Um, But I, I, I don't think there are many scholars that I can't think of one. Uh, but I doubt there are many scholars today that would uh, say that there is um, any more than an etymological connection, possibly, between Habiru and Ivri. Um, but do you see the predicament here, Josh? Um, so I'll, I'll explain the predicament here. So Exodus 21, 1 through 3 is either a homeborn Israelite or it's a foreigner, which means there's no rigor among natives. So there's no way you can say that there's some type of instituted slavery in Exodus 21 at all. Or you Sorry, have, you have to, to... Hold on. Say, so, you have to slow down and say it okay. again. So there's a predicament here. I think that it becomes problematic because uh, if you read Exodus 21, 1 through 3, you either interpret the Avri as a homeborn, which as an Israelite, right? Okay, one that is okay. non yeah, of the nations, and which means that there's no rigor that they, they can be enforced that that can be put upon them. And this is Leviticus 25, 46 that says that. Right. But here's yeah. here's here's the other part of the predicament. But if they are foreigners, they came in voluntarily, which you would which you would have to admit. So either way, I, oh, hold on, hey, hold on. Well, if they're what? foreigners. Sorry, if they're foreigners, they came in voluntarily. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Go yeah. ahead. All right, I just want to stay with you. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, it's basically like a syllogism. But so pre- premise one is since the foreigners. I got premise, came sorry, in, I got okay. I got premise one. Sorry, okay. I don't want to cut you off. I just want to make sure you get through it. So the other premise is if they are homeborn, that means that there could be no rigor and force or force upon them. And this is in Leviticus 25, 46. So okay. which is it? So they come okay, in freely so, or yeah. Okay. So here's the, here's the problem with your syllogism. Um, it assumes, and, and you can hold it like it's okay. Uh, but you're assuming continuity between Exodus 21 and Leviticus 25, right? You're assuming that these are all saying the same thing, just, like in a different way. If you read John Levinson, uh, for example, um, the I think the Making of the Lemma or something, 
Uh, this is sort of just common idea here. Uh, Deuteronomy 15, Leviticus 25, these are later texts that are reworking the covenant code of Exodus 21. So I, I agree with you. Like, it's problematic if they're all to be harmonized, right? So you run into more problems than this. You run into problems like, all right, so like in Leviticus 25, how does the seven-year thing work? Are they released in the seventh year of the Jubilee, whichever one comes first? Like, you have to you have to wrestle with that. Richard Averbeck wrote an article on this recently that I, I disagree with his position, but he's a really good scholar. But um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, but this is, a, this is the product of trying to see these not as, you know, different, either different redactions or different sources, but as seeing like, you know, single authorship, maybe even mosaic. Well, no, I'm, I wasn't even trying to connect those two. I'm just giving, if they're foreigners or not, either way, I don't see how, that uh, you can imply any type of slavery in Leviticus 25 or Exodus 21. I'm, I'm right, not even trying making, to connect them. I'm not even trying you're making, to do that. Sorry, your first premise sounded like you were making the connection that... No. Uh, okay, well, let me say what I thought you were saying. Oh, okay, go ahead. It sounded like you were saying, and sir, I'm sorry, I'm going to be quiet. You're I fine. keep saying I'm going to be quiet, and then I don't. Um, it sounded like what you yeah. were saying is that in Exodus 21, 2 to 3, uh, that... You, because these are, if these are Israelites, Leviticus 25 says that you can't treat Israelites as slaves or can't treat them with rigor, is what you said. Okay, so what you're doing in in that premise, intentionally, unintentionally, whatever, is saying that Leviticus 25 informs Exodus 21, and I'm saying that they don't. No, no, I'm not even saying inform. I'm just using the word foreigner and also Israelite in two different in two different contexts. If they if they are foreigners, then you would have to agree they came in uh, voluntarily. But if they're not foreigners, then they're homeborn, and which means that Leviticus twenty five forty six says you cannot treat your Israelites right. As Do you hear what you're saying there? You're saying if if. If Leviticus 25 says this, then that means that in Exodus 21, this is true. And I'm saying that's you, that's a false premise. Oh, so you're saying that the that the, the Vri in Exodus 21 too might not necessarily be a foreigner? Is that what you're saying? Or? I'm saying it's not a foreigner, but even if it oh, were, okay. Leviticus 25 doesn't inform Exodus 21. I, praise, we're probably like down yeah. too far in the weeds here. Sir, you should you should go. <laughs> These are good questions, though, Praise. They're really good questions. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. There's a part of me that's just enjoying listening to the back and forth between <laughs> you two, <laughs> honestly. Um, but no, what I, I, I do want to dial something back. We did have the point before, you know, does, does biblical slavery exist? The thing that at least Jill seems to be searching for, pra- Praise and Josh are in a different conversation, Um but the thing that Jill seems to be searching for, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jill, but you are searching for specifically a taskmaster who, I mean, what are you defining as a taskmaster here? I mean, before I continue uh, on. Boko Haran. So, okay, so I asked you to define and you gave for, me a word. I'm looking for someone, a group, an individual, someone who is sanctioned by scripture, by the God of the Bible, to kidnap innocent people innocent civilians and forced them into servitude that is the only definition of slavery today if you have another then it's not from today it's from the ancient near east where they had more than one definition of slave so we only ever kidnapped slaves there were no slaves born in america 
they are being kidnapped if they're being held against their will. That is a form of so kidnapping. A, so it's legally, child... let me finish. Can I finish, please? Oh, legally, legally, if you can find someone, whether they are born there or not, if you can find someone in a area, whether they got there voluntarily or not, legally, that is kidnapping. Yes. I need you to demonstrate from the scriptures that people are being rounded up and forced. Now, don't point to Deuteronomy 20. Dr. Josh tried that in the last debate. That's warfare. I don't need to see so, examples of warfare. You give, so nobody you give me an example, there? then you give one. Well, not that kind. Warfare. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let's talk about war. Since that's You've your only example high. in the Bible. Oh, my God. Let's oh talk about boy. war, since that's your only example in the scriptures. That's the only thing. Actually, you can find. There, was a, there was another example brought here that wasn't war, and that was a. So a, a child is born into a, a slave family. This that's child is. Jill. A child being born. You, Jill. So, it, so, so by, by this logic, any child born in the antebellum South is perfectly scotch free. And nothing, no, nothing bad ever happened. No, to them. because their parents are there. By force. Silly. Okay. Find how does this change? How does this case. change the reality for the? Ch- no, no, hold on, hold on. How does this change the reality for the child? If, well, if your, my parents, well, your honor, well, your honor, uh, he wrote a book. I'm waiting about, for you to show some, but anyway, honor, I'm I'm honor, asking. You're, I'm answering your honor. He wrote a book about. I, I haven't even. Uh, he wrote a book about his sexual exploitations, about how many women he slept with. Therefore, rape. What I need you to do is find a case in which people are forced or in the case of a civil civil or a civilian someone who is law abiding someone who was just sitting and minding their own business and then uh, the evil israeli slave came now if you want to point to war we can talk about war can i can i ask a question it was there slavery in the ancient near east outside of israel outside of israel I'll give you yes, a chance the, to the respond Midian. joe but first yes. i just want to let people know folks we will be going to the q a shortly and so i want to give you a quick reminder the Mi- the Midian i don't know who made that were... sound which one was no, it? That was uh, that was praise. It was not me. It was me. Okay, I'm sorry about so, that. So what uh, we will do, yes. I do want to quick remind you folks, our guests are linked in the description so that you can either hear or read more from all of our guests as they're linked. And that includes if you're listening via the podcast. And so, by the way, folks, pull out your favorite podcast app and find us on that favorite podcast app as we've been really excited to see a lot of downloads. So it's apparently useful and want to let you know if you're listening right now via via podcast. Josh, Suris, and Praises, and Jill's links are all in the description as well there. And so back to you, Jill. Yes, to answer your question, the Midianites were famous for practicing chattel slavery. Okay, so like, uh, um, sorry, so like the Babylonians, the Assyrians, Mm -hmm. the Hittites? All of them. Okay, because kidnapping is illegal in all of those places. Great. That doesn't prove they didn't practice chattel slavery. No, so I agree. It, so wait, well, hold on. But so the fact that the letter of the law did not support them kidnapping and and therefore having chattel slaves because they were holding them against their will, mm-hmm. the fact that the letter of the law did not state specifically that they couldn't or the it it for for them it does nothing, but it's the entire argument if we're talking specifically about Israel. My argument is that if you were to do what happened to Joseph, let's say, if you were caught 
even if that person had been sold to you, that's the stipulation you might be leaving out that's not in the ancient Near Eastern oh, it is. law codes. If that person was found with you, you were put to death, even if you did not initially kidnap them. So what the what the what Joseph's brothers did to their brother was would have been punishable by death under the Mosaic law because they sold him against his will to the Midianites who were willing to accept that type of uh, or the Ishmaelites or the Ishmaelites. Yeah. So <laughs> that would have been punishable by death uh, in the old Testament or in the Mosaic law. I'm looking for someone who is put in that position. And then God says, okay, you may do this. You may do this. This are the rules on how you are to treat this person. I would not serve a God that would legislate someone who was forced to work against their will, other than a prisoner, other than in the same circumstances that we would allow such behavior or such treatment today. I, I feel want like prisoners to be forced to work. I don't want them just sitting there watching cable. I don't even have cable. I want them to be forced to work. I like the chain gangs. And I think the same should be done with prisoners of war as wow. well. In fact, in fact, Geneva, our own Geneva Convention, oh says that they are to work based on uh, their ranking. They are given certain positions to work. That is okay, the same so, today. Chill. So why Stop, then? Just are pause. We just pause. To, just pause. Okay, Come on, man. Ahead. Just pause. Okay. <laughs> For Christ's sake. Look, I I, I feel like. This whole thing was sort of set up one way, and then you asked a different question. So you, mm -hmm. you, you seem to be saying it's illegal to kidnap someone. Yes, everybody agrees. In the ancient no, areas, it is it's not. illegal to kidnap. No, it is okay. not illegal to kidnap someone if they owe money or if they That's are not kidnapping criminals. then. Like it's, it's, right. it's, exactly. It's, it, Thank you for you, proving the point I'm making. Been trying to make so it three hours. We right, don't. Well, that's why it, I asked Jesus Christ, Jill, stop. We don't call <laughs> it kidnapping today. We call it an arrest. Okay. I need you to stop so that I can finish what I'm saying because it's kind of important. So what I'm saying is what you're saying is illegal in the Hebrew Bible is illegal in the ancient Near East. That's why I asked you, do you think the Babylonians had slaves? Do you think the Assyrians had slaves? And you said, yes. And I said, well, it's illegal to kidnap people there too. But you're so not I, That's what I'm saying. I think your definition of slavery. No, you're not listening. I'm, I'm talking about a really? civilian. I'm not talking about kidnapping a rapist. Yes, the government has the That's right not to kidnapping. kidnap. Exactly. So <laughs> what? what I need. So what I need you to do is show in the scriptures that people are being rounded up for no reason whatsoever. They don't owe any money. They they're not war combatants. Why would husband. I? Why would Josh I try to demonstrate something? To Q &A. Because that would be. I, our definition yeah. of slavery. That's your today. definition of no, slavery. No, that's our definition. All right, that's your definition of slavery. Definitely not mine. Appreciate you, you guys. We are wanting to remind you folks that our guests are linked in the description so you can hear or read plenty more as we are thrilled to have these guys and we cannot thank them enough. It's been a true joy to have our guests. And so thank you guys again. By the way, I heard from Tom Jump. Oh, he's a, he, he got back to me. He said that he had slept through his alarm clock. He was taking a nap. And so Tom's okay, which we are obviously glad. I mean, my twin brother, like I love Tom. And also, yeah. So if anybody is wondering, why is Tom on the thumbnail? 
we well don't worry we'll have them on soon that was the goal tonight but don't worry we'll have them on soon and we will i'll double uh remind him to you know uh, keep that spring alarm clock in order so spring Dwayne forward. burke thanks for your question said tom's chair has eaten tom fortunately that's not true. He's just fine. However, we'll make sure he brings the chair next time too. Mark Reed, thanks for your super chat. Said, thanks for getting this to happen. Thanks also the debaters who are participating. This has been awesome. So thank you guys so much. I couldn't agree more, folks. Great talk. I appreciate Indeed. Dr. Josh too. It's been it's been that was good. It's been absolutely. And then Robert Luscombe, thanks for your question. Said, if biblical so this is praise and Jill. If biblical slavery was just debt work off. Then why was Moses sent to demand the freedom of all Hebrews from Egypt? Why would God consider debt repayment a bad thing and order Hebrews be freed from it? Who said the Israelites were in I, debt or debt slaves? That, that's say I actually could probably answer that one. He hasn't read the he hasn't read the story because because just just to steal man praise and Jill there, like their argument is that within the context of Israel these things were were very different. So the fact that a different nation, Egypt, had a different conceptualization of, of slavery doesn't suddenly mean that there's an inconsistency no, here. You're, you're not steel manning me, you're straw manning. How the, is that the, straw manning? You, because you? you haven't read Jesus the story. Joe. Let's read the story first. <laughs> I've read, I've and then, and then fucking it. 12 years in okay, PCA. Let, let me, I've never me, read the story. Okay, let not me explain. once, Jill. Don't worry. Explain. Okay, so really one, quick, Jill, and then we, just because okay, we haven't heard really from praise in the, about the Israelite, an hour, but... This will be 10 seconds. The Israelites were a vassal, were under a vassalage situation with the Egyptians, meaning that's perfectly fine with God, that's perfectly fine with us today. Just read the Versailles Treaty. Perfectly fine with that. Germany was a vassal to the Allied powers. Versailles. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so at one point, if you read the Darn's narrative, meaning story, meaning there's a beginning, middle, end, right? Grade school. If you read the story, at one point, the pharaoh, there was a new pharaoh who began to treat them harshly. He did not treat them as they should be treated as a vassalage. That is when God says, let my people go. Read the whole story. We're going to go to the next one. That can help you win our we are going to the next one. Barry, Barry, thanks for your super sticker. Appreciate your support. And thanks for your, looks like a thermometer and someone being sick. I can't, oh no, it's a wrench. Dwayne Burke, thank you for that photo of a wrench. Ed Robert, oh wait, Karag Nightwolf. Good to see you again. Says, why did the Hebrews give their servants a wife and let them produce children if they couldn't leave with them after the debts paid? I'd love to address that. So firstly, um, there was already provisions made for a male coming in with the, with his wife. So that was already preset. So the problem is if, the, if there is a single male who did not have a wife, then, the, then the, the master would provide him a wife. But here's the thing that there was, since he provided that, then he, he can't just let him go because that would that would just um, I think infract upon his own service his his own work that he's using them for. So yes, they would be free to go after their 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 contractual um, their yeah their contractual whatever you want to call it uh, agreement, yeah. seven year agreement yeah. All right, Dwayne Burke. Yeah. Pardon my Dwayne Burke. Thanks for your question of how can an omniscient God be moralistically wrong? Morally wrong. Is that for us? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say that he could be. If, it, if, if the God definitionally and truly is omniscient, 
that doesn't necessarily mean he could be morally right or wrong. Gotcha. And omniscience and, and omniscience just entails that they know all, not that not the nature of their actions. Yeah, I think I'm assuming more omni. You're the, you're assuming uh, tr the triomni. Yeah, a triomni god, a, case, a, tru a truly yeah. triomni god, sure, but mere omniscience does not entail uh, a moral ontology. You need all goodness as well for that. Gotcha. And Colin Dresser, thanks mm -hmm. for your support. Says keep the conversation going. Apparently, they enjoyed it. Super encouraged, it. folks. Uh, Josh, Suris, Praise, and Jill. I have to tell you, people, a lot of positive feedback in the chat. They loved it, and so thank you guys. And awesome. Mr. Lightning. 20 says should the slavery laws of exodus 21 and or deuteronomy 25 be enforced today jill and praise god and moral relativism don't mix thou shall not own slaves or yes. I'll, I'll answer that yes and they still are enforced today that's the point i was making for three hours yeah adopt just the manny mission yep i love it i still love have that. it today <laughs> nothing has changed although more sophisticated Everything you see in scripture, which is where our just war theory comes from, some might say, uh, everything you see in scripture going on is the case today, although being more sophisticated. If you need more help with that, understanding that, come visit my channel and I'll explain further. Well said. Gotcha. And this one coming in from Joe Lafano. Thanks for your encouragement. Said, thank you guys so much. I couldn't agree. These guys, guys are linked in the description. What are you waiting for? Cider and Port says, to the Christians, if slavery is excusable, based on a debt to be paid, what debt does a child born into slavery bear? His parents' debt. <laughs> right. So they were together. Why would the parents and the children be distinctly different? No, they were together as a family. And that's why they would sell their, their children or family off for labor purposes. Just like you would have your daughter go mow a lawn if you need some money or something. I don't see any difference. Gotcha. And Gabriel K says, Dr. Josh, I love your Sumerian courses. Oh, awesome. I'm sorry that they're kind of dry. They were some of our first videos, but uh, there's a book that goes with it that I think is better. Is that, does this refer to Sumerian courses on Digital Hammurabi, the channel? Yeah, we have uh, free, free video courses. Oh, that, learn Sumerian. that channel is linked in the description, folks. And also, that book might be. Which book is that, Josh? It's uh, Learn to Read Ancient Sumerian. It follows the videos. Oh. And we tried to we tried to price it so that it would be affordable. It's like 30 bucks. You got so. it. I'll add that in the description as well. Thanks Thank very you. much. This one coming in from Karag Nightwolf says, Don't we have due process now for war crimes or people that end up in jail? And are people working paying off a debt to McDonald's or Walmart? Yeah, they are. And uh, although not directly working for the debtor, the debtee is working to pay off debt, and those funds are being siphoned to the person that he owes or the corporation that he owes. So uh, then, again, although be it more sophisticated forms of debt collection, the concept is still the same. The gotcha. Steven Steen. is slave to the lender. Appreciate it. Steven Steen, nasty guy. Always he's, uh, you know, but he says, I, and I quote, I can't believe anyone would debate against praise. His depth of knowledge of the topic is second to none in this debate. Absolutely top debater. 
I think he's making fun of you. Lots of love from Steve. Self-elation is in order. <laughs> we love it. Uh, I was like see. totally wrong, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, wait. Josh, I mean, I can't ask you to do it because I don't want to put you on the spot. But if you ever feel like doing like dropping an impression at random of either praise saying that's been totally debunked, man, um, <laughs> or Kent Hovind, you know, like feel free. We always love them. But like I said, when it when the time is right, let it be organic. And let's see. Huckleberry Sin says you get him, Cirrus animated cat girl avatar for the win. Uh, I will never blink. And then also, I'm sorry, Wilson says, better hair part, Josh or James? Definitely James. I'll give it to you, Josh. Come on. I mean, Matthew Steele, (laughs) thanks for your question, says, to praise and Jill, if what God says and does is good by definition and slavery was good in the Bible, why not say that and stop there in your justification? I, in my opening, look at my opening presentation. This is there in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Read, go back and rewind it and watch it, and then maybe you'll see what that's there. I would say that's there. Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from Joe Lafano says, "Let these biblical apologists continue this debate with Matt Dillahunty." I will destroy Ooh. Matt. I will destroy. Okay, Matt all right. Dillahunty. Well, let's let's Schuler uh, <laughs> dare. <laughs> Dutchin Sprachi, let me know if I pronounced it right, friend. And then they got asked, why are women seldom brought up here? Deuteronomy 22, 28 through 29, women who are seized, quote unquote, and raped must stay with the man for like, uh, uh, stay with the man for life, life for 50 silver. And hi, James. Hi, That's friend. so ridiculous. It's called the Dowry of the Virgins in Exodus 22, 16, 50 shekels. It's it's consensual sex. Not even the verbs are safe, the same in Deuteronomy 22, 25, where it actually is seized and forced upon. It's, um, I forgot the word, but it's tafas in Deuteronomy 22, 28, which means to manipulate. So, so please do more biblical research on that. I have, this is one of the James. Yeah, so yeah, tafas. Uh, he, you're right that it's tafas and not achaz in the hifil. But the the problem is that tafas is used all over the place to mean seize to capture someone. Um, so you could see it in first case in several different places. But yeah, I mean, I, the majority of scholars are going to say that that's rape. Gotcha. And thank you very much. Or well, praise. Sorry, I didn't mean to gang up on you. If you if you want to have the last word, praise. Since they were yeah. originally bringing the objection to you, I'll give you the last word. Right. So we we found there's actually better words for tafas. It's, it's a, a cause is another one. So I disagree. I would like I'd like to see these scholars, by the way. But uh, sure. I'll end it there. I I hate of having to give somebody the last word, but it's again a good reason for you to check out the links of our speakers if you want to hear the rebuttal. And Rape Matthew Steele says. Dr. Josh and or Cirrus Skeptic, would either of you care to define the Dunning-Kruger effect for our viewing pleasure? Sure. The Dunning-Kruger effect is it's a cognitive bias. Uh, it's stating that people with low ability at a task overestimate their ability uh, and, and tend to believe that they know more than they than they they do. Gotcha. And thank you for your question from and Ben C., who says, if Praise or Jill were legislating the laws of a new nation or community or country, would they include the biblical rules on slavery or just abolish it? I would absolutely I use it. The Ten yeah. Commandments, absolutely. Definitely. 
Gotcha. Definitely. It's better to work than to sit and rot and, and watch Just to cable. be sure that you heard it right, though. Um, well, I mean, I guess you're saying yes, and you'd also include the um, Ten Commandments. But good day to you, sir, says, uh, thanks for your question, by the way, says, why wasn't this debate title called Biblical Indentured Servitude Debate? There is a distinct set of laws for Hebrew men and another for heathens. No, there's only one law. Numbers 15 makes that clear, but also um, there's love your foreigners all over the place. I know Josh calls them tropes, but Jesus said that love your neighbor, love your foreigner as yourself. I don't see it as a trope. I think that's I think that's clear. So we have. I mean, the, the golden the golden rule appears all throughout ancient history. Yeah. Gotcha. And we just appreciate our guests so much. Oh, wait, there's, that's right. Brian Stevens, thanks for your patience. I got your question asked. For Jill and praise, if a foreign nation had conquered the Hebrews, would it have been okay to take their women into forced marriages? No. Gotcha. No. And also want to let you know, folks, there's another standard question out there in the chat that, forgive me, I, I didn't get into the list, but want to say... Folks, if you want to hear more, if you have any more questions, you can probably get an answer to what the thinker, what the speakers think on that question by going to their links in the description. And so we wanted to give a huge thank you to our guests, Dr. Josh, Suris, Jill, and Praise. It's been a true pleasure. Thanks for hanging out with us. We we can't end it now. We still haven't proven biblical slavery existed. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, James. I just want to say we have an after show. People want to join. Uh, Jill, maybe you want to come in too, man. Yeah, I'll be there. Thanks for having me, James. Thanks, Dr. Josh. Thanks, Cyrus. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Yes. One thing. Oh, forgive me. Cider and Port, I did miss yours. They said the only thing Jill can destroy. Okay. Nasty guy. I, I could have sworn there was another one from Cider, though, that I missed. What was it? They said. Um, oh, yeah, we, we did get that one. Okay, thanks for your patience. And I will be back with a post credit scene in just a moment, folks, about upcoming debates. We are pumped for a lot of upcoming debates. It's going to be a lot of fun, including tomorrow night with Skylar Fiction taking on Ken. That's going to be a blast. And so you don't want to miss that, folks. That's right here. And we will be back in just a moment, as I had mentioned, with that post credit scene. Thanks, everybody. And thanks so much to our speakers. It's been a blast. Epic, you guys. Super excited. Want to let you know, whew, first, just pumped to hang out with you guys. I've got a little bit of homework I'm a little behind on, so I, I can't hang out too long, but I do want to let you know about upcoming debates, including right there, that one's tomorrow night between Ken and 
Skylar, it's going to be juicy. It's going to be epic. And want to say also, thanks so much for your kind words. Brian Stevens, thanks for your positivity. So throw some positivity out for James and the debaters. Thanks for your support, Brian. We love positivity. That means a lot. Thanks, Oliver Catwell, for being here. Good to see you, buddy. And Stripper Liquor, D. MC, good to see you again. Monday Skeptical, glad you were here. Fox, Sushi, Pumped You Made It. And is it pronounced Paul Nordahl? We are so glad to have you here, my dear friend. And Handsome Rick, good to see you. And yeah, we are pumped though, you guys. We have a lot of epic debates coming up. And also want to let you know, we are so encouraged. Folks, if you have not yet, hit that subscribe button as you don't want to miss some of these upcoming debates that we have it's going to be epic. It's going to be juicy. I can tell you a controversial figure is coming back this Friday night. I can't say the name. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but it's going to be juicy. And we are also working on getting Tom Jump possibly, I, I'm figuring it out when it would be. Um, it might be Saturday, but that's still, I'm kind of figuring that out. I am so excited for these debates though. And so yes, do hit that subscribe button and click that notification bell. That way you will be notified every time we go live if you click all and it'll have like the little picture around the bell like it'll show the little like sound waves that's what you want to click and that way every time we go live you will get a notification and you can be here live as we really do enjoy having you here live with us it's very fun and yeah we've got like some epic stuff that we're trying to set up you guys in terms of debates i'm really encouraged and excited about this month like there's going to be a lot of fun ones and so Yes, yes, yes. Vinny Anderson, thanks for hanging out with us. Angelica Serenity, glad you're here. Lena, thanks for being with us. I see Jill is in the chat. Jill says, Jill and praise win. Well, what do you know? And uh, Zane Thunder, thanks for being with us, buddy. Luca Med Medugno, thanks for being with us. My dear friend says, okay, good night, everybody. Take care, my friend. Sandy Pigeon, good to see you. Thanks for your support. And thanks for your kind words, Brittle said this seemed to go a lot better than the two weekend debates. Oh, yeah, you're right about that. The weekend, ooh, that was juicy, controversial. But, yeah, Cider Report says, can't wait for the 22nd. Hopefully my first civil debate here. I agree, man. I think it's going to be a great time. And so we are pumped, and we just appreciate you guys. I love getting to say hi. Good to see you, Gutsick Gibbon, who says, epic. You're right about that, Erica. Epic, to say the least. And Janthelia Baggins says, thank you for all your effort in making this debate happen, James. Thank you so much. That seriously does mean a lot because sometimes people are like, why Why are they late? Or, you know, and this is a small percent. Most of you are positive, and I totally appreciate that. But sometimes we get people who are like, why are they late? And it's like, um, oftentimes we're especially late with tag team debates because Sometimes it's like people forget. Sometimes who knows what happens. But the idea is it's like, believe me, nobody's more stressed about those than me. I, I hate that when we, it's like one thing to be like 10 minutes late. It's a YouTube channel. It's not a huge deal. But like tonight was like 40 minutes late. And I can tell you, like for me, I always get stressed when that happens. And so, um, yeah, sometimes that's the trick is like, I, I can't control. Like sometimes like it's out of my control. Uh, like if a debater, misses uh you know or whatever happens and so it's like we just do our best and so it's like i would encourage those people the one percent it's a small group the one percent i would encourage them to try running a modern day debate it's uh, not as easy as you might think sometimes because sometimes it's like oh somebody just didn't show up and then it's like oh i've got it and i've got no hard feelings like you know that happens it's life not a big deal but 
it is stressful for me too, um, where I'm like, oh man, like, it's like, we're trying our best, but uh, thank you guys. 99% of you are positive and supportive. And I appreciate that, especially like as it's been a hard week. And so thanks. Want to look out for each other, my dear friends. I hope that I can be here for you. Um, I just appreciate you guys. It's like a community and it's fun for me. Like I honestly, I really do love being here. It's a joy. And so for me, it's like, man, it's a great time. And so I hope it is for you as well. And pro-social pessimist, thanks for being with us, my dear friend. I see you there. And then let's see. My pleasure cider and port. Yeah, we, we really, we love it. Like new people and people who it's like, you could say that oftentimes, not always, but you know, I would say that it's uh, true that like some of the debaters that come on have big followings, like they have a lot of subscribers and it's like, yeah, probably you could say subscriber count correlates with being articulate. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it'd probably be a pretty, pretty decent correlation there. Um, but nonetheless, like, we're like, Hey, if we have like people who are willing to come on and they're articulate and they're good debaters, like, and they're reliable and all that good stuff, it's like, Hey, come on. Yeah. Like modern day debate at gmail.com is my email. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, we like it. It's, it's fun. It doesn't always have to have to be like, you know, um, somebody with like a half a million subs or a New York times bestseller and all that. Like, so yeah, we, we do like to mix it up. And Anthony Gills, thanks for being here, said, will you guys ever host a true Orthodox versus world Orthodox debate? Um, maybe. That's new to me. Um, I don't know what that means, but I appreciate that. Thanks, Oliver Catwell, for your kind words. And Ben C. says, waiting for James to debate to jump again. Oh, baby. That'd be fun. He's my twin brother. I mean, you know, it's always juicy. Sideshow Nav says, a most excellent job pulling this together when you have a last-minute dropout. Very, thanks for your kind words, my friend. That seriously does mean a lot. And thanks, Top Hot 2, for your kind words as well. That really does mean uh, a lot. And so thanks, Handsome Rick, for your encouragement. And, yeah, we're pumped, though, you guys. It's it's really cool. Um, let's see. We, uh, But, yeah, we are pumped about the future. A lot of cool stuff. And uh, Atheist Addict, thanks for being with us, my friend. And so Perry three four three, glad for glad you're hanging out with us. And let's see, Zane Thunder, stoked you're here. And LR says, what homework, James? I'm like working on my doctorate, so it's really tiring sometimes, and I'm behind. I'm not. I'll be all right. Like I'll get to sleep by a decent time, but I still gotta can't hang out too long tonight because I do have to hammer that out. And um, but yeah, I, uh, it's in basically, you could say like work psychology, like it's called industrial organizational psychology and it's a, a large university in Colorado and it's, uh, it's busy, but it's fun. I love it. And sometimes I get a little burnt out. It's true, but nonetheless, I do love it. And, uh, it's kind of like part of, you know, I knew what I was getting into. I wanted an adventure, you know, uh, the old, the old phrase, like, Ships are safe in the harbor, but ships were made for the sea. And so, um, yeah, it's fun. I think I've got, let's see, I probably got about maybe another two years of the PhD left. And then, which is, I'm like, oh, that's encouraging. Like two years, two years flies by. I've already been in the program about two and a half years. And it's like, wow, it's uh, flown by. Schuler, thanks for being with us, my friend. Hope you're doing well. And Carnivorous Ape, good to see you again. And... Let's see, Michael Stein, good to see you. And 
Gibbon says Hovind versus Thompson flat earth debate. When's it happening? Oh gosh. I wish, but it's hard to get Kent. Kent Hovind just really doesn't, uh, he doesn't want to debate flat earth. I've asked him. No joke. I've asked him about Nathan too. Dara Vash says Josh has been destroyed to ashes. Um, sorry. I read that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, uh, I, I did not mean to like, like, read that on air it was just i'm just like reading without thinking and so i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be partisan in any way we love josh we love all the speakers and uh i'm not trying to take a stance with that i just didn't realize what it said when i read it um let's see but yeah thanks for your kind words j mike uh appreciate that that means a lot brittle thanks for your kind words as well and then hannah anderson thanks for your kind words says James, I miss most of the most of this, but always a pleasure when Dr. Josh is around. He is a pleasure. Josh is really kind to step in for us today. Sandy Pigeon, I'm still planning. I'm still working out the dissertation topic, um, probably in the realm of like occupational health psychology and leadership in that context. I'm still figuring out the details though, because that's pretty vague. But Mark Reed, thanks for your kind words. I love your work, James. Thanks so much for coming through with this debate. It's been a blast. Thanks for your encouragement, man. That does mean a lot. Seriously. Oh, yeah. And then Platium says, don't forget to join the Modern Day Debate Discord. Thank you so much for saying that. And thank you so much for running the Discord. As I am embarrassed to say, folks, I don't know how to run a Discord. I don't know how to play or use Discord. Leslie Flemons, thanks for being here, says, hi. Glad you made it. And EndoXD, good to see you again, my dear friend. And yeah, yes, once in a while, we're going to do some debates on Mondays. And uh, Cider and Port, let's see. Yeah, yeah. I just love hanging out with you guys. I do appreciate you. You guys make my day happier just being here. It's fun. The more the merrier, my friends. And also, though, I am... Let's see. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so excited, though. I think I've told this story a billion times, so forgive me for that. But I like dad jokes. Everyone's are welcome. Thanks for being with us, my friend. Good to see you again. J. Mike, thanks for your kind words again. That means a lot. And then Zane Thunder... Thank you, for my friend. That means a lot. And then, yeah, Brian Stevens, I agree. It would be an epic debate. Brian F. says, after show? Um, I think Praise is doing one, Brian F. He had mentioned it, but he didn't give me the link. And pro-social pessimist, I agree. Um, Hovind would actually be a globe birther. So it, it would be quite the debate. Um, let's see. But, yeah, let's see. Um, that's right. Charlie Reed, Skyler versus Ken. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. And then um, Alexander Cooper said, wait, I missed it. What are you studying? Um, basically, huh, sideshow and have, you're right. It is uh, go Rams indeed. You got it right. And uh, let's see, Alexander Cooper, um, I basically like work psychology. So like how do we motivate employees? What kind of personality tests or cognitive ability tests can we use to do good selection in terms of like who we who organization organizations hire? How do we prevent burnout? How do we like you name it, um, all of that stuff? And then Brooke Chavis, I'm open to that. Um, maybe in terms of like the denomination debates, it's just that a lot of people don't. Um, a lot of the people here like aren't into flaw or uh, theology, and so they're kind of like, eh. Um, and so we, uh, what's the word? So I'm reluctant to do it. I don't know if it, would, if it would engage that many in the audience. I don't know. We can see, but yeah, let's see. Basically, um, 
Perry343 says, I got banned. Oh, sorry to hear that. Um, I'm surprised you got banned for saying someone looked bored. That's interesting. Um, but yeah, let's see. Brian Stevens says, uh, yes, I am stoked, you guys. And yeah, it was, oh man, it was, uh, we've got so much snow here, it's nuts. It looks crazy. There's a lot of snow chilling out here right now because we had a blizzard over the weekend. Um, Cider Report says, do people in your class or lectures recognize uh, you or know about the channel? It's only happened once. Um, at the end of a lecture, one of my students came up and he said, He's like, oh, I was watching Bosch the other day, and I saw you were the moderator for that debate. So technically, he he only recognized me because he saw me through like Bosch's like Zoom interface. Um, but yeah, I think that's the only time it happened. But the funny thing is, like, there are like two stories recently that someone told me, like a friend. Um, like I think somebody, LR, no, I'm not on my dissertation yet, though I'm hoping to start that this fall. And so yeah, it'll be a a beast of a, a challenge. Um, but someone called me and they're like, yeah, I, I recommended modern day debate to one of my friends. And they, um, they said that they had already watched it. They're like, Oh, I already know about that channel. And I was like, Oh, that's super encouraging. Thank you for letting me know that. That's, I love that. And so, yeah, um, sorry, I'm behind on chat, but carnivorous ape says, I'm still waiting for my second debate with G man. He challenged me and then blocked me. Sorry to hear that. And, uh, let's see. Okay. I'm almost caught up. Yeah, I'm still learning how to, let's see, do Discord. Thanks for your kind words, Dave Gar, saying, James, take a, take a week off, seriously. I probably should. I kind of do. Sometimes I am a little tired. Um, but yeah, please do hit that like button if you haven't already, as we are close, you guys. Is it close? Wow, it is close to 200, Tuss. You're right. Thanks for that support and reminding people in the chat. Uh, Tuss, that means a lot. And yeah, let's see. <laughs> um yeah, you guys are funny. Um, synagogue, Synagogue? Cine, oh, forgive me, brother. I forgot how to pronounce it. It's been a long day. I'm tired. Is that any debates coming that need a participant? Um, maybe. Let me let me get back to you on that. That like really could work. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a possibility for real. Like, shoot me a message if you want to remind me. Um, we've got a lot we're setting up right now, and then. Oh, that's right. Carnivorous Ape is right that there's an after show at Praise's channel and it's linked in the description. His channel in particular is. And then Pro Social Pessimist says, I think incentives are a start with regard to motivation. I think most people value personal autonomy. You're right. Autonomy is a big deal. And that's in, there's um, the theory of self-determination basically emphasizes that autonomy, people's freedom and the job really makes a difference in terms of them feeling more motivated. They don't feel as motivated when you start taking away their freedom. By the way, sometimes I think people wonder why is James so, um, why is James so like like laid back about moderating? He's not like jumping in and controlling very often. That's why. No joke. Is because self determination theory would say that if if the debaters are going to like be motivated and engaged and you know like into it, then they have to have their autonomy and that's why I purposely like try to let them kind of do their thing. And, and, you know, it's pretty hands off. And so it's that we don't want to like force this control on it to where every debate has to be like so controlled and safe. And it's like, great. Um, but yeah, thank you guys. And then boomeresque James says stripper liquor. You're right about that. And then Hannah Anderson, congrats to your daughter says, my daughter is finishing up a master's in engineering, lots of work doing research, writing, and pre presenting papers. Oh, I believe it. Yes, I uh, I believe it. 
And uh, Bible Burner says, James, James, thanks for giving us a place to vent. Thanks for that. Appreciate that, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate your support. As yeah, I'm I'm pumped about the future though, you guys. It's uh, it's hard for me to emphasize that enough. This channel just encourages me. It makes me happy. DMC says, where do you teach? Um, let's see. I teach undergrads. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to. Um, assuming I can, I think most of, anybody who's still here is probably like a big you know, like pro modern day debate and like friendly person. So I teach at, uh, Colorado state university. And so it's like uh, Fort Collins, which is about an hour North of Denver. And it's a big school. It's like, I went to Texas tech and that was like about the same size. So it's like 30, maybe like, I don't know. It's at least 30,000 students. I'm pretty sure. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a lot. Um, I'm trying to think about, I think that this campus isn't quite as big as Texas Tech now that I think about it. Because I remember, I don't know, it doesn't feel that way, but maybe it's just because I've had more time here to like learn it. Um, but yeah, let's see. And Albert Bitcoin, thanks for being here, my AI friend. And then Master Optics, good to see you again. And then um, let's see. I can't remember. That's a good idea. Zane Thunder says, have a suggestion box and read them out loud every week. Um, maybe. I mean, I do get a lot of suggestions and people just telling me what to do. Sometimes I get emails that are just like, just do, you know, do this. Don't do this topic. Do this topic. Have this person. And that's only 1% of people. But so sometimes I'm like, if you, you know, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> like I can get in there. M.I.K says, Hey James, do you ever consider debating on your own channel? It's totally okay. If you don't want to, I probably will again in the future. One, there are a couple of things in terms of why I don't usually. So you can find like old debates that I've had on the channel. So I've updated some like old in-person ones. Um, and then you can see some like in the beginning where there's like, you know, like Jared and, uh, Tom and then, um, Chris, like, so there were people like, you can find old debates of me if you search that are like super old. Um, but what happened was, especially when the channel started having more controversial topics, I decided to be mostly a full time, full time, um, basically a full time moderator in terms of my role in the channel, because, uh, in academia, sometimes you could get in trouble for being a part of these debates. Um, and so as moderator, I kind of had this immunity or protection where, um, there is one professor, for example, cause you might be like, what are you talking about, James? There's a professor in my own department and she tried, no joke. She tried to get like me in trouble. So she reported my, um, she reported modern day debate to the Dean and she, I, I have no idea why, like I, at that point we hadn't even started having the controversial topics. It was like all creation evolution debates. That's like pretty much all we had. And for some reason, she still was like, Jane, you know, look what James is doing. And the chair was like, well, what's he doing? What's wrong? Like, what is he doing? That's bad. And uh, so, yeah, it's like most people aren't like that. But there are some people in academia that are like kind of um, such that it's safer for me to be a moderator for now. So that's one of the reasons why. But the other thing, too, is like it's honestly so busy with a Ph.D. Um, wait, you wait. 
I mean, I could be wrong, and more power to her if she keeps crushing it. But um, are you still out there? Let's see. Let me check, Erica. What is it? Um, got sick. There she is. Erica is already in grad school. Um, I'll just say, like, it's busy in grad school, and the and I've gotten um, the doctorate. In my experience, is significantly more intense in terms of what's demanded of you and that's even and you're like oh james like how do you know and it's like i've gotten um like i i've been to a lot of programs and so i got like two master's degrees before coming here and i can tell you that those masters neither of them are as intense as the phd there's just a lot more and so it's like it's pretty freaking exhausting maybe it's different in other fields but that's what i've experienced at least Brian Stevens, thanks so much. Says 200 likes. And then uh, Pro Social Pessimist says, I see that you take a largely hands off approach. However, you do step in when necessary. That's true. Yeah. It's like we're all about that kind of like we want to like leave it be in, in terms of like let it be, you know, let it be fun for people. And uh, we like that freedom. And so thanks, Alexander Cooper says, I like having your debates on while working on my thesis. Oh, that's cool. Congrats on your thesis. That's awesome. I'm glad for you and then dmc says guns up that's right reckham i am uh let's see that's where i got my master's in philosophy was texas tech and i loved it it was a lot of fun endo xd says i want to debate some atheists well you can email me at modern day debate at gmail.com we are uh open to taking new people depending ideally people have uh what's the word i'm looking for past experience past debate experience the synagogue are you saying you're close to me in Fort Collins? Uh, thanks. Let's see. For your support, Bible Burner, appreciate uh, your kind words, and I uh, love you too. And Danny3648, thanks so much. Says, do what you love. I I love moderating, though. You might be like kind of like, oh, James, like, um, and it's true. Like, debating can be more fun. But I love moderating. Like, I, I enjoy it, and it's safe while I get my PhD because if I'm like, like, yeah, it's it's a way it's like, hey, I'm not even debating. I'm just moderating. I'm trying to be a peacemaker here. And that's why I would say, yeah, we are excited about the future in terms of trying to bring people together from across different groups, Christian, atheist, Democrat, Republican, you name it, folks. We do hope you feel welcome. Seriously, we really do appreciate you just being with us. And the more the merrier, you know, gay, straight, black, white, you name it, folks, trans, um, non-trans, whatever it is. Um, we just appreciate you. And so thank you everybody for being here. Um, Christian, Muslim, um, if you're a, a Trump supporter, if you're, you know, a Biden supporter, Biden backer, you know, we are glad you were here. And then DMC says, hit the like button, do it for James. Thanks for that, my friend. Appreciate that. That does mean a lot. And so, yeah, I would also say, my dear friend, it is, I would highly encourage you <laughs> Carnivorous Apes, his praise is strutting around like a pigeon. That is seriously funny. Um, um, but yeah, it's seriously, I uh, want to tell you, hey, folks, if you have not tried us out on podcast, I would, Daniel Kasmer, that was a good pun. Everything in moderation, you're right. And wow, Alexander, that's a heck of a thesis, man. Holy smokes, 152 pages. That's that's crazy. Erica, you're going to do so well in the PhD. You're a machine, you're a conscientious 
uh, machine that I, I just think you're going to do so well and I'm excited for you. So congrats, Erica, on getting into her PhD program. So that's awesome, Erica. I'm really excited for you. I'm glad for you. And then um, let's see. Whew, I do appreciate you guys. And yeah, I want to, like I said, check us out on podcast. You guys, I am pumped that when I started putting us on the podcast, I was thinking like, ooh, is this going to work? Or are people going to think this is kind of dumb and not download it? But I've been so encouraged as we are a neutral, neutral platform for debates on science, religion, and politics. And so do want to encourage you guys, you guys for real. Check us out on your favorite podcast app as we are excited as a, yeah, it's just been really cool that people have been downloading and people have been giving uh, ratings. And so please do rate us. That helps. We do appreciate that if you were on the podcast app. And then also, last but not least, so sorry, Cletus34 says, do you read questions from Twitch? I'm so sorry. Um, Twitch, I'm so slow to read questions from. Forgive me for that. Um, I, I do check in on the Twitch though. And we do have Twitch folks. So I would just tell you guys that we're, if you prefer Twitch over, what is it called? YouTube. <laughs> so um, we're on Twitch. Oh, and that reminds me. Um, thanks, Denkono. So let's take care, chat and James, and have a good rest of the day. Thanks for that, my friend. We hope you do. You hope you have a great rest of your day or night. And then, yeah, but I am, I got to tell you guys that. Thanks, Brooke, for your kind words. Seriously, love you too. That means a lot. And then uh, let's see. But yeah, I am pumped, you guys, as I want to tell you, if you happen to, thank you, pro-social pessimist, for saying that uh, I remain neutral. I try my best, and so it, it means a lot. But um, if you have used your Amazon Prime, so a lot of people don't know that you can use a free Twitch sub. You can subscribe to somebody for free on Twitch, which normally you'd have to pay. It's like, I think five bucks. You, if you have Amazon Prime though, you can actually use Amazon Prime to get a free Twitch sub. It's possible. And so I'll throw the instructions for how to do that into the chat. But I want to remind you guys, if you have used your Amazon Prime um, free subscription, on modern day debate in the past, you have to renew it every month. And otherwise it unsubscribes you at the end of that month. And so we really do appreciate you guys supporting modern day debate through that uh, particular way. Namely, you know, if you have Amazon Prime and you have that free Twitch sub that you can use, if you use it for modern day debate, that definitely helps. And we are, we really do thank you for that. And wanna let you know, uh, basically, if you use your Twitch Amazon Prime subscription, which you it, no extra cost to you, you know, like I said, the instructions for how to do that, I put at the top of the chat right now. I pinned them at the top of the chat. You have to renew it every month because otherwise what happens is Twitch basically erases or kind of unsubscribes you at the end of each month. And so do want to remind you, um, if you have done that in the past, and it's been 30 days, please do go over to Twitch again and subscribe back to Modern Day Debate with that free Twitch subscription. As 
like I said, it's no extra cost to you, but it helps the channel. And Brian Stevens put it well. If we had, let's say, 100 people that were subscribed via Twitch, and you're like, well, how much is that? What is it per subscription? It's like, well, let me know or let me tell you. Oh, that's right. Top Hot 2 said you should put that link in Twitch as well. And so, yeah, I will do that. So if you are on Twitch and you didn't know that, I put that link for how you can use your free Amazon Prime subscription for Modern Day Debate. And I just want you to know that um, I can't remember what I was saying. Oh, we get $2.50 per subscription. So thanks, Miss Metal or Ms. Metal. Have a great night as well. Take care of yourself. We love you. Take care. And basically, if we had 100 people who were subscribed to us on Twitch, that's $250 a month. That's like a at least a one-way tr- like flight for when we want to do in-person debates. That could cover a one-way flight for when we want to do in-person debates. And sometimes of the year, 250 bucks is enough to cover a round trip. So that helps a lot. It really does add up, you guys. And so... We do appreciate you guys supporting us that way. And uh, I think right now we're on 20, Dave Langer asked. Um, James Grobe, good to see you. Cletus34 says, thanks for addressing the question. Um, Yeah, absolutely, my friend. And basically, um, Dave Langer, we've got 25 right now. So it's definitely been growing, which is awesome. And I would think there might be some people that we got to, I've got to give reminders and like uh, let them know during the stream, like, hey, if you're subscribed on Twitch, please resubscribe because if it's at least if it's with that Amazon Prime um, free Twitch sub, it you have to renew it every month. Antipode Serial, thanks for your super chat, man. Said miss the stream or man or whoever you are, man or non-man of any type. They said miss the stream today, but we'll listen later. The podcast rules. I hope it went well. Thanks for your kind words, Antipode Serial. Seriously, thanks for that encouragement. That that means a lot to me. I really do appreciate it, my friend. And so, uh, but yeah, basically. Oh, Brooke Chavez says, I write down the, the renew date for Twitch so I don't forget. I do that too because I've got Amazon Prime. And so I um, put it in my Google calendar uh, just to, I just remind myself like, hey, you got to renew your Twitch sub with your Amazon Prime free Twitch sub. But yeah, Antipode Serial, I do appreciate that support. You have no idea how much that means. Seriously, um, you guys, it really does mean a lot. You guys are huge, supportive, loving people. I, I just appreciate it. You guys are just so helpful, and that means a lot. Lorraine Drosophilia, thanks so much. We hope you were <laughs> said I left 90 Day Fiance to watch this. Thank you so much for watching. We're just glad you're here. So thanks for your support. Brad Faulkner, glad you're here with us, my dear friend. And Michael Cardwell, thanks so much for being with us. And uh, yeah, you guys, I'm, I'm just like, I'm excited. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And uh, yeah, so thank you guys for your support. And yeah, Brooke is right. You can also gift a sub subscription to someone on uh, Twitch. Touche, you can do that. That supports the channel too. And last, thank you guys for all your support. Want to let you know, we do have Patreon. Like a lot of you, I, let me see if I, I don't know, like, it's linked in the description, patreon.com slash modern day debate. Let me see if this works. Um, it's both linked in the description and we also have modern day debate on Patreon. And so do want to encourage you, my dear friends, 
if you want to join our Patreon, that is right here in the live chat. I just threw it in there. And so thank you for that. We do appreciate you guys. And so Dave Langer says, you can do auto commands for your Twitch chat that will put out the message like every 30 minutes, for example, you just need to set it up. Oh, that's a great idea. I will do that. Dave Langer, man, that is super helpful. Seriously. Thank you so much for that. I got to write that down right now. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm pumped, pumped, pump, pump, pump. Thank you guys. Um, you guys help me through the hard days. If you guys help me through the hard, you know, the hard times, like I'm dead serious about that. Um, I didn't, uh, let's see. I had a, a good friend last week pass away and you guys have been so supportive and that's meant so much to me. You have no idea. And this channel, um, I remember when I was going to do my first debate after it had happened and I was thinking, I was like, uh, do I, am I ready for this? Like, cause I, I had been like seriously grieving. Um, and I still, it's kind of comes in waves, but basically, um, the, being a moderator doing this has been super helpful. Uh, it's just kind of getting my mind off of the grieving and, and the kind of any sort of rumination and things like that. And so I love doing this. I love you guys. I appreciate your guys' support. Thank you for everything. And so uh, it really does mean more than you know. And so I really hope you guys have a great rest of your night. I would encourage you, um, you know, those loved ones that you have in your life, like, uh, I would highly recommend like reaching out and letting them know just how much you appreciate them. And I was on good terms with, um, like I wasn't in a fight or anything with the person who passed, but you know, you can never really, it's, it's one of those things that's very, very difficult to express love or appreciation too much with all the people that you have in your life. Um, and so, um, I highly encourage you. So thanks so much for your guys' kind words, top hot two and Dave Langer and, and brittle and, um got sick gibbon thanks for your kind words and then uh let's see thank you very much brooke and i just uh, appreciate that so thanks for your kind words you guys thanks for your your love uh it seriously means a lot as i don't know i'm, I'm hoping it'll change me in the sense that i i want it to thanks danny and thanks stripper liquor for your support thanks james grove for your super chat appreciate it buddy um seriously thanks for your support and so um, thanks to Beatbox for that support. Thanks Lorraine. She says, I love this channel. I'm partial to the religion stuff. I'm glad you enjoy that topic. Thanks Lorraine. And thanks for being with us. Thanks Mark Reed for your condolences. And thanks from James Grobe for your hug from Canada and your support. That means a lot. And for me, I'm hoping that this, um, event will help me to be a person who I want to be like my friend, John, who had passed where I want to be a person who loves people no matter where they are, no matter, you know, like completely regardless of like, like wealth or status or beauty, like all those things. Like, I just want to love people like exactly the way they are. And that's something that Jill had a quality of in terms of like loving people so well. Um, and so I seriously, I just want to live that out the way John did. And he is also like the most sacrificial, generous, kind person. I could go on and on telling stories about, and, and just, and tell you about the good things that he, he was, uh, and, and I'm thankful for. And so, um, but yeah, thank you guys for your support. That means a lot. And, um, yeah, so thank you guys. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm doing okay. I've got a lot of support, which has been a huge help. So in, in addition to you guys all, thank you guys for your kind words. And so, 
um, a lot of friends that I've been in touch with and stuff and, and talking on the phone and stuff. And I've got um, sympathy cards I'm sending, sending to his family. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad to, to get to do that and like kind of try to be there for them because they are probably going through way worse than I am, right? Because it was um, you know, like in, in some, in, in his parents' case, it was their son. Um, and so it's like I, I hopefully, I want to be there for them now. And it, and it would be a way to honor him because I want to be there for his family. And so that's something that um, I just appreciate you guys. And so, like, thanks so much, Brooke. Seriously, that means a lot. He said, we care about you. Thanks. Really do appreciate it, Brooke. Um, thank you so much for your kind words. And no need to, I mean, appreciate the super chat. Thank you. Um, but just your guys' presence and your kindness and love and support, like, um, that means so much. Like, just your, you know, um, you guys are really positive and supportive and that means more than, you know, and so thank you guys for that. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, nonetheless optimistic in the long run in the big picture you could say. And so, um, let's see. Dave Langer says also, if you need, um, help help sometimes setting up those commands on Twitch, just let me know, shoot me an email. You should have it. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate that. Thanks. I like dad jokes. Everyone's are welcome. Thanks for your kind words. Um, and so, yeah, I just appreciate you guys being here for me. Thank you, guys. And then thank you, Sideshow Nav, for your, your kind words. That means a lot. And then also, um, Andrew Handelsman, we are glad you were here. I had mentioned I had a friend pass away, and you know, but I, I just appreciate um, all your guys' support. Thanks to Lorraine for your kind words who said he sounds like a wonderful person, a hundred percent. Thank you so much for saying that. And, um, thanks Antipode Serial for your kind words. Um, but yeah, I've, I've like, yeah, it's just, thank you guys. And, but yeah, I, I do appreciate that. And then let me just be sure I'm up to, um, thanks Danny 3648. I, I was like reluctant to be honest, to share it. Cause I, you know, I learned about it Wednesday and I was still kind of reluctant because one, I was like, am I able to talk about this? He used to watch this channel. Um, he used to be a big supporter of the channel. His sister told me that, um, he, uh, he would like mention it to her and, and encourage her to watch it. And she's like, I, I don't know what, what it is though. <laughs> But um, so it was really kind of them. And so thank you guys. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, but yeah, no, no problem, Andrew Handelsman. We're glad you're here. And then um, Doubting Tom, uh, let's see. But yeah, I, I just, uh, Vandy says, take care and be kind. I agree. Please do take care and be kind, my friends. And so we appreciate you guys. Love you guys. And then um, um Oh man, I am so sorry to hear that your brother passed away two years ago, Andrew. Like seriously, that is really hard. And so, um, I am totally here for you, man. Um, and I, I don't know what that's like, but I hope you know I care. Uh, and so thanks for sharing that so that I know that I'm not alone. And so, um, but yeah, I, I love you guys. Thank you guys for everything. And I hope you have a great rest of your night. We will be back tomorrow. It's going to be fun. And thank you guys just for all of your your kind words and support and everything you do. And so thank you. Keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. And then, um, yeah, we just, uh, appreciate you guys. I'm, 
I hate leaving. I you know it's like I always say goodbye 10 times because I just like being here with you guys. And so thank you guys for making this fun. Appreciate you. And with that, keep sifting out the reasonable from the unreasonable. Everybody take care and have a great rest of your night, everybody. Love you guys. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.